Our story begins with war. A clashing of gods so destructive that nearly two-thirds of the population would not survive. They call this time the Calamity. In an effort to escape the decimation of the surface world, five families took refuge in an isolated area of the Underdark, drawn in by the innate well of magical power. Only to find that they were not the only ones drawn to the magic, and the denizens of the Dark would not let it go so easily. War waged both above and below. Until a device was crafted, an accumulation of five crafts bound as one to push back the evils of the darkness from whence they came. Now, centuries have passed, and a city has been forged in total isolation from the world above, and as such, the nameless city has known peace. However, nothing good ever truly lasts, and the darkness has always promised to come back. Now, faced with a resurgence of evils long since put at bay, three champions must rise, tasked with gathering an army strong enough to push back the darkness once and for all. These unsuspecting heroes must brave the world of the surface and the unknown dangers that lie in wait in order to save their city, their people, and any hope for the future that remains. Jazara Telena, a half-drow gloomstalker ranger, tasked with the protection of her companions and burdened with a dangerous curiosity for the unknown world above. She hunts the darkness with arrows more precise than the morals that dictate her aim. Ashakel, a dampier twilight cleric who walks the fine line between knowledge both sacred and forbidden. Under the caring eye of the Moonweaver and the otherworldly gaze of haunting red glow of the moon Brutus, she toes the line of darkness and light to bring forth the magic of twilight. Valkaria Nykor, a tiefling shadow sorceress, coalesced from arcane shadows and carved from the frozen flames of the deepest pits of the Nine Hells. Youth and duty clash within as the world before her unfolds. Hey y'all! Hey y'all! It's Misty. It's Audie. And Aaron. And we're back with another uh, episode of our Nameless City campaign. More chaos! Woo! Because Val gets to do shit that is going to make Asha just wish she wasn't around for a while. Uh, Val's about to be back on sea, so we're going to be having some (laughs) constitution saving throws to see how well you do with your seasickness. Yeah, let's see how well my seasickness goes this time. Yeah. About as well as the first time, I can guarantee. (laughs) Probably, but she does have seasick medication now. So that she's on the fire. So true. Um, so the last we left off, the party had arrived in Selenia. They spent the morning at uh, a hut that was uh, given to them by Morgo, the wear polar bear, uh, where they spent the entire morning uh, having some breakfast slash lunch and taking baths and <laughs> unleashing eldritch horrors as they rummaged through the boxes, <laughs> unleashed a demon toad, opened a jar full of spirits, um, Sir Goosington broke some shit. Not the fun kind of spirits either. <laughs> yeah, like some wailing, scary, like, demon shit. Um, yeah. yeah, so they, they spent the morning 
getting clean and then causing chaos, mostly to themselves. And then uh, they went to go find Orvo, who they were told was somebody who had been working with Ergon when he had gone out to uh, across Isilcross and had found whatever that uh, items, including the blue vial that contained the frozen sick illness. And they went to go talk to Orvo to see if he had any clues about what they might be able to do next, where they could go, and he told them about a place called Saul's Vault, which is where he believed the files originated from. And in the process, he volunteered to take you guys there, as because while he wasn't 100% certain where it was, he was pretty sure that once he got there, he could figure it out based on the experience he had uh, while on the island. And so, with that agreement, the uh, party trekked off to go and uh, do a little bit of shopping. But in the meantime, Sir Goosington had a little bit of fun. And Sir Goosington, <laughs> Sir Goosington stole some shit, caused a guy to have a mental breakdown, and get aggressively, weirdly hit on by an old lady. Um, <laughs> made him lose all of his reputation among his people. And... Um, <laughs> Then Sir Goosington went on to steal some more things, caused a chase throughout the town, and a bunch of shit to get knocked over, broken, thrown to the side. And but Sir Goosington got away with like all of his stolen goods, so there's that. The party went to the buyer's hut and uh, did a little bit of shopping and bought some cold weather clothing, which they desperately needed. Val got some uh, seasick medication. And uh, Jazara picked up a bunch of food, and oh, Val also got little horn warmers, a little pom yeah, little warmers, <laughs> little, little pom poms on the end of them. And then, in the process of trying to get a discount from the buyer, um, <clears throat> Valkaria cast three spells in succession into this crystal <laughs> that measured magical power, which resulted in her having to fight a clone of herself. Um, Asha getting suspended about 20 feet in the air, and a giant uh, demonic cauldron rising up out of the ground, spitting a bunch of acidic goo all over the place, and uh, <laughs> starting to burn away a bunch of the buyer's merchandise. And after he's fighting... Get rid of us. Like, yeah. I, I think he's, he's happy to get rid of me. They, excuse me, they, yeah. they were... They're, they're happy to get rid of Val. The, the the buyer yeah, found you guys was very the... interesting more than anything and was very entertained and like you get the sense that like they don't get entertained very often just because of like the remote nature of where they are so i feel like they're probably very very old yeah i kind of feel like they've seen it all mm -hmm. yeah and so like they get kind of bored from time to time but yeah. uh so like they like things that keep them entertained and you guys definitely were entertaining to say the least um I'm, well I'm, I'm going to assume that means that they like us yeah, yeah the buyer okay. likes you guys no, they don't. <laughs> you know like it's it didn't really appreciate part of their store getting destroyed but at the same time was in entertained in the process of it getting destroyed um bowed to sir goosington when introduced to sir goosington as well and also, uh, when Val had to fight a clone of herself, and which went very sideways very quickly, um, <laughs> Val and uh, Jazara did definitely get into an argument about uh, Jazara's immediate destruction of said clone, of clone <laughs> because one arrow just wiped this clone off the face of the planet, and Val didn't take that all that well, <laughs> despite the fact that it was Val who asked for help. 
So, yeah, I just listened to that episode. I am am aware of, like, the saltiness of what had happened. (laughs) Literally just listened to that. So, which was, but as a result of Jazara getting involved, she had to cast a spell. And when we rolled on the wild magic table, uh, she was poisoned. And she spent some time laying on the floor in the buyer's hut, just super pissed at the surface in general. So... Um, from there, uh, after a very long, wild, and strange day, the party trugged back off to their hut, and that is where the party is headed now, with the plans of going to check on the ship in the morning, and, uh, reporting with Orvo about the status of the ship by around noonish, of whether, telling him whether or not the ship is ready for sale. So... The party is headed back to um, your borrowed hut from Burton's Yurt. Burton's <laughs> Yurt. And uh, uh, let me tell you, listening to the episode again, the, the amount of different names that came out besides Burton was on point. I loved it. I'm just I like Bartholomew, that. I think, was one of them. And I'm just like, that's not a name I would have just had pop in my head. Sure. <laughs> But uh, the party is currently on their way back to the um, the hut, and it's it's probably mid evening at this point. The sun has set, and uh, you've, it, it's gotten colder. Sir Goosington, by the way, has this new little scarf on. It has a little charm, and he's got a little bag. He's got a whole uh, saddle bag on him. Is so. he just waving around his knife as we're walking back? Uh, he, no, he has it very properly sheathed, and okay. his it has his little bag has a sheath on it. So. But he does because he had Asha like put his little scarf on with a little charm. His head is very like held high. Oh, and he seems very like regal, and he's walking at the front of the group like that is his place and where he belongs. So. Of course, of course. So uh, you guys are headed back. Anything you wanted to do before you head into your hut for the evening? Do we have food at the hut? Yes, you guys made a stew, and uh, there That's was plenty for like having later as well. So, and you guys left that simmering on the fire. So, so you guys make your way back to the the hut. Uh, you go in. Uh, Jazara like makes sure like the flap is all secured and everything like that. So you know. Is Jazara about- still? Is she like? Uh, she's struggling to get through because like she was poisoned and she's yeah. Off. She's not great. Like she's holding one end of this giant barrel that like they put all the like rations and stuff in <laughs> and like she does she's making Val hold the other end so I'm not I'm not sure that's probably going all that well but uh between the two of them but uh like when you guys stagger like through the door Jazara's staggering is a little more staggered <laughs> just like Ugh. Yeah, and uh, when she is. secures the, like the flap, she really extra secures the bottom, so like Sir Goosington just can't waddle out and cause chaos. <laughs> in the middle of the night. Smart, smart thinking. She makes eye contact with Sir Goosington, just like, I see you, bitch. Like, don't, uh-huh. don't, don't try me. I don't feel good. Yeah. So. I don't have time for your shenanigans. You guys all mosey in. Um, Jazara, for the most part, she puts the barrel down. She puts her supplies down. Um, she goes over to like the couch that's by the fireplace and just face plants into it and that's Jazara. <laughs> She's just gonna lay face down on the couch now. So. Now, Val has a question. Sure. Val has a question. Not Ani has a question. Val has a question. Yeah, Val has a question. Uh, where is like she, Val walks over to Jazz just like kind of pokes her and it's like where's uh, what is it? Your bow that has the, the, the basically the bag of endless things 
Her quiver has okay. the... Yeah. Where's... Where's your quiver? Tazara leans her head to the side, just one eye makes contact with you, and she then she puts her face back down and just like, Asha, if she does anything, please drown her in the bathtub. Consider it done. And then, Thank you. And then drowns with tears up. Smack. I just want the wand. No! Why? It's been a long day. I want to throw some yeah, splatter paint a, at the wall. No, it's been a long day. That's exactly the problem. But splatter paint will make me happy. Go throw snowballs at the outside That's of the house. It's cold. I don't like the cold. You are I cold. Like I don't you, like to be extra cold. You are cold to the touch. Jazara is going to reach over and grab Valkaria. Um, Val, make a dexterity save. <laughs> Okay. Deck saving throw. <laughs> 15. Okay. Now, so because of that, you don't... Because Jazara got a 13. So because of that, you don't have to do this. But she's going to reach over and she's going to try to yank you, like, to her. <laughs> and it, it's your choice of whether or not you get yanked or not. I, I, I Yeah. Val's going to fall into the yank, I guess. Okay. Then Jazara's <laughs> going to, like, throw an arm around you. And then just flop partially over you, and then just not move. Just holding Valkaria in place, mostly with her body weight, as she's flopped half on the couch. And like Val, you're like kind of sitting like on the ground, leaning backwards, and there's just this this drow like sprawled <laughs> on top of you, in kind of a headlock. Position. Yeah, a little bit of a headlock, and she's just gonna pat your face, and she's like, no, 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 no. no, no, no. And Jazara has not opened her eyes for any of this. She's just like, no, no, okay. no, no, no. Uh, Val's gonna just take her tail and like just slightly keep tapping Jazz on the head. And Asha <laughs> is just gonna avoid all of this. And she's going into that bedroom area and she's gonna oh. shut the door. <laughs> Alright. Like, Asha goes in the other room, shuts the door, and then like a, a couple of minutes later of like, you know, Val tapping Jazz's head, Jazz is gonna kind of open her eyes and kind of like lean her head towards where like the bedroom door is and she's like did she just claim the entire bedroom for herself looks like and then the door will pop open <laughs> and she and asha will lean out pick up sir goosington bring him in and the door will shut there's <laughs> just I a happy see. quack is heard i see the favoritism hey val yeah should we go do something about that? And then you What'd hear, you and then you hear a rustling noise, <laughs> and you're pretty sure you just heard a chair going under. The <laughs> I bet you I could break that door. <laughs> Don't even think about it. Hey Val, is yeah. there a is there a gap under that door that maybe you could put like mage hand under? Oh yeah, for sure. Jazz is going to like she's gonna get off the couch in like a very lumbering like she's gonna stomp over the door bringing Valkaria with her and like there's a gap at the bottom of the door and like she's gonna like Jazz is gonna get on the floor and look under there and Val do you do the same? Oh yeah, I'm following Jazz. I'm just like there is a conspiratorial like eye connection right there as you're both laying on the floor looking at the gap where you could see the chair legs and uh, like. 
Jazz makes the motion with like a mage hand motion and then just like pushing the chair out from underneath the door. <laughs> and it's just like, because if you put your mage hand under the door and then just like push the chair out. Yeah. And like, so that when they get, you both can go into the room. And she's just like, she's kind of gesturing at you like. Mal is like, she's got one cheek like stuck at, on the on the floor. Uh-huh. Making sure she can get the best vision and like, you know. Uh-huh. Puts uh, Mei Chan under the door. Uh huh. And just as soon as she gets some fingers through, she just pushes it. There you go. And so, you, like, your Mei Chan like, swoops invisibly under the door, grabs, like, one of the rails on the bottom of it, and then just shoves this chair all the way on the other side of the room. Yep. And the second it's out from underneath the door, like, Jazz throws the door open. <laughs> and and just... you find Asha sitting up on the bed, absolutely prepared for this nonsense. <laughs> Jazara grabs Val in one hand and then just full on run tackles Asha into the bed, dragging Bakaria with her. <laughs> Making sure to avoid Sir Goosington, who I imagine has taken over his own pillow to sit atop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Jazz fully tackles you, dragging Valkaria with you with her. So So you get hit by Jazz first and then a lumbering uh... Uh, no, I know I gathered that <laughs> Val on top. And then I just roll out. <laughs> flopped onto the bed that's she falls asleep that's where she falls asleep so yeah. what val does is up to val but there is like jazara is not in any semblance sprawled across this bed in any way that makes sense where she hit the bed is where she <laughs> passed out and then wherever like asha might have flopped her to that's where she stays mm-hmm. 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 so yeah uh, but asha is playing the green painting couch and we are we are good. Yeah. <laughs> and a goose has the pillow, so where's Val sleeping for the evening? You could just shove Jazara slightly <laughs> to the side if you wanted the other half of the bed, so. No, I think Val is... Val doesn't want to share her space right now. She's going to take the, the, the bear rug. Okay. There's a very lush, very, very large bear rug in the middle. Uh-huh of the room so like you take the other pillow maybe like off of the bed and like uh, some of the spare blankets of there are many in the room because Burton was a lot of things practical was not one of them you have to imagine as you look around this yurt that it must have taken a massive shift or multiple shifts to get all of this shit here yeah like whatever happened must have cost an exorbitant amount of money and made no sense so mm-hmm. um yeah, so you can grab the other pillow because Sir Goosington's not giving up his pillow. And uh, it doesn't matter because Jazara's not using one. She's just, like, her legs are, like, partially dangling off of the bed. I imagine um, full starfish at a diagonal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty much. Like, she definitely didn't take off, like, the boots, the armor, the anything. No. She just went no, face she's down. Yeah, and she's she's just gone. So, Val, you go, and there's this very flush bear rug. It's huge. It's probably yeah. like a 10-foot bear rug. Val's gonna crawl into the middle of it and, like, Snuggle in. It's oddly comfortable. Like this, who, whoever Burton was, like he had luxurious taste. So yeah, it's she, a very you know, blush. She and... is sprawled and she is happy. And as she's getting comfy, she uses her mage hand and gets like a, a pot of tea. Like just like a couple, like she gets some water and a tea and like some tea leaves in there. 
and then uses her mage hand to bring it over into the fire, warm it up a bit, and then into Asha's lap <laughs> at the fire. Doesn't she you... need to roll the dice for this? Um, technically, we said that cantrips were just good. Like, it's okay. not a leveled spell, so she can mm-hmm. just be as wild as she wants. Oh. Uh, it, <laughs> with mage hand. Uh, if, if it gets too chaotic, I'll make her roll just because. So, <laughs> Asha will begrudgingly accept the tea with a a mumbled, mm, which is what you're gonna get for as a thank you for uh-huh. right now. Yeah, and it's Val still, is it's just sincere. It's just she's too tired. No, that, that's that's fine. And then as soon as Val hears that, you just hear the snoring starts. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So you guys get some sleep. You sleep through the night. You hear some of the like the howling of the wind from like the more snow falling and it's just very windy this far north but uh overall you stay warm the fire stays lit you all sleep very well it's nice not to be on on, like a rocking ship it's nice not to have your life in immediate danger for once uh but it's it's you have a door that locks so you can sleep (laughs) yeah it's nice it's relaxing you know there's no goose disturbances or anything like that but uh yeah tired too yeah, he's had a very long and adventurous day. So morning comes, um, you all kind of like wake up, and uh, I imagine whichever one of you would like to wake up first. Jazar is probably the last one to get up, but uh, Ashna is probably the first, and she's yeah. gonna she's gonna scamper on over to this little kitchen area, uh-huh. get the coffee going. Okay, you scrounge and... around, you find some ridiculously uh, like rich smelling coffee. Like it's strong smelling mm-hmm, coffee, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's like um, actually <laughs> I can tell you what the coffee is because I made it. She was one step away from pushing her glasses up. <laughs> 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 Perfect. Perfect. Let's see some good old coffee. Roll me a d6, and I will tell you which one it is. Me? Yeah. We get four. Four. All right. You got murder mocha. Yay! (laughs) Murder mocha. A classic dark mocha latte for any classic murder hobo party. So the, the, the grounds that you find have a very rich, like, chocolate scent to them. And as you make it, you can, like, it's got this very nice, like, creamy look to it. And, uh, it smells really, like, rich caffeinated chocolate. Uh, oh, believe me, Asha's gonna take a long whiff of the grounds and just be like, this is awesome. They come in, like, a nice bag, too. So, like, if Asha wanted to just, like, take the whole bag and, like, put it in her own bag. Trust me. She's thinking about it. But she's gonna make a nice pot of coffee first. Okay. Once the uh, once the the pot starts to brew and like the aroma gets stronger, you, Val, you just hear her get up. Uh, no sound. <laughs> I was gonna say no sound. Just she gets up, eyes are like half closed, blankets fall off of her, arms up the, at the side of her, and just like zombie walks towards it and just sticks her face right in front of it. And Asha gently moves her to the side. 
<laughs> try to speak to her in any way. She knows better. Takes the pot of coffee, pours some in a cup, places it in front of her, and then lets her do what she wants with it. That was literally what I thought. Alice is going to face plant into the cup. Again, Ash is not going to say anything. It's not Ash gonna poured it in a bowl for you, not a cup, so you can face plant and just slurp. We're trying to introduce a little stability. <laughs> There's a lot of her father in her. And so... <laughs> and so, then, just ignoring all of that, Asha's gonna get a second... <laughs> second cup. And trust me, the coffee is not strong enough for her to be completely ignoring this. She's make taking mental notes. All of those decorum lessons are out the window. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And starts shuffling across. Um, she's stepping over Val's nest on the bear. And um, is quietly opens the door to what has now become Jazz's bedroom. And just quietly leaves some coffee on the nightstand. She doesn't talk to Jazz. Again, it's with the, if she wakes up, she wakes up, you know. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, as you go back and everything like that, and the, the chaos demon over there is slurping her coffee just exceptionally loudly. And uh, Sir Goosington, like, has gotten up, and, like, he's kind of waddled out after you. I've and uh, he... <laughs> He's a tiefling. They do things weird. <laughs> I don't know if you could just blame an entire race on that. We're going to. <laughs> things a little racist. <laughs> Val does what she wants. There's that. There's that. Much more, there's a, that's a much more accurate. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like she's no longer under her mother's observation at the moment, so like all decorum has just been tossed. That is exactly right? why. Yeah. This is how she wants to act, and she cannot because mom is everywhere when she's watching. That's true. Mm -hmm. Out here with her friends, where her mom would never be. <laughs> so you guys sit. You have a little bit of like food and coffee and things like that. Maybe a second cup of coffee. And, like, probably, like, 15 minutes after Asha has delivered the coffee to Jazz's room, you hear a slam. And then the next thing you know, Jazz is, like, standing in the doorway and just, like, braced against the wall. The coffee is just, like, <laughs> chugging it like nobody's been. <laughs> like, a frat boy at a party is just chugging that coffee. <laughs> and she just, she looks, like, slightly deranged and, like, <laughs> like sleep rattled. And she's just like, is there more of this? He's more of this. And, uh, and Asha will just point to the kitchen and say, she, if you yeah. would like to go past the slurping tiefling, <laughs> it's in there. Jazara marches just straight back and then, like, Asha, if you turn around and look, Jazara picks up the whole pot and is just chugging this whole pot of coffee. <laughs> Again, Asha's Asha questioning the life choices. Uh, yeah. Val finishes her bowl of coffee. And starts glaring at Val, uh, at Jazz, because she's like, I'm gonna get another cup. Jazara has the on bowl. the right of the pot. You can make more. Jazara has the pot, is looking at Valkaria, and then just looking at her. <laughs> 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 like, she just chugs the rest of this, and she slams it down, and she's like, fuck. That's good. 
And then she just starts making more. <laughs> and you're like, not the intensity in which she's looking at this coffee, you're not sure she's willing to share, but like more coffee is being made. Okay. So, yeah. So you guys have coffee, fight over coffee. At some point, I mentioned food is probably had. Um, but it's still very early in the morning at this point. And uh, because all of you are used to getting up pretty early because of your duties that you had in the city. So you're all up really early. Um, after much much arguing over food and coffee for the morning. Um, Jazara, now, you know, once again mortal and not <laughs> and not like some kind of sleep-deprived demon, uh, looks at you both and she says, we need to go check on the ship this morning. Uh, I know. Water. But, we have, but you have medicine now, so like, it, hopefully it'll be better. I still don't like it. I know. She, like, pats you, just, like, square on the head. <laughs> Tail twitches. Like, we need to go check on that, and then, depending on how that goes, we need to go check on Orvo as well and tell him whether or not we're leaving today or not. Alright, this is me getting up. <laughs> Let's go. I mean, she's like, I guess we didn't all have to go if you guys don't all want to go, but somebody's gotta go check on the ship, so. Jazz, you wanna, want me and you to go and she can stay with Goosington? Or do you want her to go? Jazara looks at Val and says, no. That and that, and she points at Goosington and to Val, and she's like, together, alone, no. What? Don't what me. No. What? No. I can just stay in my nest all day. I don't nice. believe you'd stay. Or you're gonna find some eldritch horror that's in one of these boxes and unleash it upon the town, and like, the Serenity is gonna get wiped off the map. I don't think so. Up! But up! Okay. So, uh, reluctantly. Goosington! No, no. Goosington coming with. can stay. No, he's coming with. If I can't stay, he can't stay. Sir Goosington. I trust him more than you. Like, flaps his little wings and gets up on a, on a chair. Flaps his little wings again to, like, bounce himself on top of the table. Flaps his wings again. And this time lands on top of Valkaria's head and then just settles <laughs> down in between her horns. <clears throat> and, uh, that's where Sir Goosington wants to ride for the day. Alrighty. <laughs> Asha just gives up. Yeah. Yeah. Goosington, you got your you got you got your sword? Perfect. And you guys all march out to the ship. And uh, it doesn't take you guys that long to like get to the docks and everything like that. It's it's a short walk for the most part. And uh, as you approach you can see the ship and uh, all of the crew is already awake and are working on the ship. Um the captain, you can see, is, like, up on the mast, like, tying what looks like a new sail to it. And the first mate, however, is uh, directly on top on the ship uh, by where the gangplank going up and down uh, off from the dock to the ship is. And uh, she sees you approach, and she, she waves at all of you. I see you survived the night in Selrenia. You could say that in a minute. you... Speaking. Almost not survive the night in Selrenia. She, like, looks all of you over. <laughs> You could say that. You're an interesting bunch, aren't you? We didn't used to be so interesting. It's a new development. <laughs> good to know. A little worrying to know, but good to know. Jazara asks her, how are the repairs coming with the ship? And she, like, she nods and she says, we should be ready to go pretty soon. We spent most of the night with help from the people of the, uh, of the town. We got a lot of volunteers, actually, who are willing to help us put our ship back together. And uh, with their help, we should be ready to go in the next few hours. Hours? Okay. Yeah. Jazara says, like, 
by noon hours. Like and the first mate, she kinda like takes the survey of the ship and she says we could do noon if it was necessary. And uh Jazara says, Well, we're looking we have a destination and we're looking to go as soon as we can. And the first mate nods and she says, I'll talk to the captain and then we'll see if we can get going as soon as possible. Wonderful. And uh, from uh, from a different part of the ship, over by the, where the wheel is, and like you can see, uh, Plank Man is over there hammering new planks like into the where like the harpies had torn out stuff and like that, and, and he waves at all of you. And, Hello, uh, Plank Man. <laughs> champions of the sea, how are you? We should perhaps find out his real name. <laughs> nah, we're calling Plank Man. Okay. I see. He doesn't seem kind. Like to be fair, um, the uh, the young kid that is, you know, in, uh, infatuated with Asha. Yeah, I was gonna see if I could find a new word besides infatuated, but like, no, it's just pure infatuation. Like he's over there hanging off with some of, the, of some of the rigging. Like he's helping the captain like tie the uh, like the new sails up and everything like that. He sees all of you, and like he sees Asha, and like he slips a little, and then like. <laughs> Where he's holding onto like this rope, and uh, he, he falls a little, but his foot gets caught in one of the ropes, and now he's hanging upside down, like swinging back and forth a little <laughs> bit, and then he just waves, and he's upside down, and the first mate looks from him the, to you know all of you, and she says, "Noon, will yeah, <laughs> noon, noonish, noon thirty, noon thirty, noon thirty. She nods and she says." But we have uh, some supplies to get, but most of the repairs are on their way. The, we had quite a bit of help over the night. She says, this might not be Pale Bank, but Sorini is a good place, and it has good people. And they were very willing to help us after they'd heard what our mission was. So, And, she, and uh, Jazara tells her, we will be having another person on board, uh, Orvo. He's going to guide us to where hopefully we can find some answers. And the first mate nods, and she says, I'll relay that to the captain. We should be ready to go whenever you need. As long and she, like, kind of looks out of the corner of her eye of, like, what's going on with, like, the mast and, like, the kid. She says, They'll hang upside down. As long as it's afternoon, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and Asha uh, makes a determined effort not to make it worse for the poor kid. It's fair. That uh, you guys can see the captain like is laughing first and foremost. It's just laughing at the kid, and the kid's over there like trying to like reach up high enough that he can pull himself up, but he can't quite do it, and then he keeps flopping back down. And the uh, captain eventually takes pity on him and like helps him like pull him up, and then smacks him on the back really hard to the point that the kid almost loses his balance again, <laughs> just like hanging to the rigging like ah. So, but uh, they get back to work in the uh, the first mate, unless you have any more questions for her, uh, walks off as well. We're good. No, we're good. Alright. Uh, Jazara turns to you guys and she's like, well, we can go find Orvo and tell him we should be ready around noon if you'd like. We should also bring the supplies and things that we've brought uh, over to the ship as well. Gotcha, yeah, we should, we should start making sure we have everything ready to go. Do we want to all do it together? Or do we want to split up and some of us take the supplies to the ship and the other one go tell Orvo. I feel like this is not going to be a fair split because no matter where I go, Goosington will go with, and y'all won't let us alone, so. And Jazara looks at Val's like, you have to go with either Asha or myself. 
that there's no choice. Somebody can go tell Orvo, and then somebody can go, like, start grabbing the supplies. The larger group should be the one going to grab the supplies to bring to the ship. The other person can go tell Orvo, and then meet us at the hut, and then help us bring the rest of the supplies. Looks like we're going to grab supplies. So Val is definitely going to grab supplies. <clears throat> Asha, would you rather go talk to Orvo, or would you rather go back to the hut to start moving supplies? And Asha makes eye contact with Jazz. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... Do you need jazz some time starts alone? To, jazz starts to get some feelings, but uh-huh. Jazz also would like some time alone. But, so, so J- they, Jazz gives you like the, the thumbs up. Like if you want to go, like. She's oh, I was gonna say we did a we did a very quick round of rock paper scissors. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we let the dice decide if it's a yes? Sure. Or no? okay. Uh, just. Just roll. Val just standing there. Roll a d20, and whoever gets the higher one uh, gets okay. to go by themselves. Val just standing there, just swishing her tail, like, both okay. amused and annoyed at the same time. Fair. Five. Two. <laughs> <laughs> so, Asha gets to go by herself. So. And she gives a quick salute and <laughs> makes an exit. <laughs> so... Uh, Asha's gonna go off to talk to Orvo, and Jazz kind of like slaps Valkari on the back and like throws an arm around her, and she says, "We love you. You're just very chaotic." But that's why we love you. Does that mean you'll let me open some other Eldritch boxes? No. Jazara kind of gives me like a answer. No, I can still hear you because it's very quiet in this village, and I (laughs) I heard you, and I said no. (laughs) Jazara like Jazz have. Final word. Yeah. <laughs> Zara like watches Asha like walk off and then she like looks at Valkaria and and she is saying to Valkaria, No, you can't open any more of these crates and like all this, and but as she's doing that, she's nodding at you like Yeah, like, yeah sure, why not? So... <laughs> that, uh, Val, you know, I, I forget, can Val's tail reach her horns? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like so... if you wanted to like reach the top, that's fine. Yeah, Val High fives Zergo Seepin with her tail. Zergo Seepin makes a very disgruntled, like, <laughs> noise. <laughs> but uh, Jazz will lean in and whisper to you. She's just like, not not a lot of them. Just, just like two. One or two, okay? Not, not enough it. to get us in trouble with Asha. I'll take it. <laughs> not enough to get us in trouble with Asha, okay? Because, like, we're, I, no. She, she, might, she might snap and murder us one day, and none of us need that. So... <laughs> So, so uh, we go back to the the hut and we begin like gathering all the supplies and anything. You can start grabbing like anything from uh, Burton's uh, yurt as well. And back to Braxton's yurt. Yes. So uh, Jazz and Val and Sir Goosington start like pulling things together and stuff like that. Sir Goosington like grabs a very nice swath of like silk cloth that he clearly wants to make his nest in. So he. Uh, asks for help like putting that in his little pack and you guys like stuff it in his little pack and everything like that and uh you want to look for something yeah mm-hmm. okay let's see. uh let's see i'll let you roll twice and we'll do one from this list and then yeah some of these are so dangerous now we need the hundred one do you want the hundred one or the d20 uh, they're both going to be on the D100. I'm just trying to figure out which list I'm going to give them to you from. And 
Yeah, let's let's do stupidly dangerous shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, roll me a d100. Nineteen. Nineteen, she says. Alrighty. Is the list actually called stupidly dangerous shit? Um, this list, no. It, this list is called banned and evil tomes. So. <laughs> Uh, this is from dndspeak.com and this is where I get a lot of these 100 lists from. But number 19, uh, so as Val is digging around, you open one of these crates and there's like a bunch of books. Some of them are really boring, some of them are really weird looking, like some of them just are, are in languages you don't understand. But you pull one out and it is titled, A Mind is a Terrible Thing to Waste. A tome dedicated to using brains in various magical applications, mainly detailing golemancy and alchemy it details using various necromantic spells to resurrect just the brain and incorporating it into golems depending on the use of the spells the golem could be smarter or more autonomous even in some cases having the capacity to grow a personality or it also has a lovely little how-to list of how to make your own golem and a slight warning that says that they can possibly turn feral and kill anything living around them. All right. All right. So you find that book, whether you like it or not, that's something else entirely. I mean, Val is just gonna, she just blinks at the title and really contemplates it for a bit. And I want to say that as soon as she starts to turn, like open the book, uh-huh. Jazz realizes that Val is taking way too long with one object and gets a little... What are you looking at? Exactly. And what just no you... response because Val is just... Jazz is going to come lean over your shoulder and she's just like, if you make a golem and it attacks us, Ash is going to kill you. You know that, right? I didn't even get to... <laughs> I didn't even get far enough to where I would get a brain. <laughs> Does it need one? Yes. <laughs> Do not show that to Asha. <laughs> Can you put it in your in your quiver? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Val just hands it over to me. We need to get you your own bag so you can keep your own contraband <laughs> shit. It's all on my person at the moment, but just hard to <laughs> put it in her quiver. You gonna keep looking for stuff? Oh yeah. All right. Roll me another D100, dear. Fifty-six. <laughs> Elemental spheres Handheld glass spheres Designed to be thrown and shattered To release a trapped and not at all happy about it Elemental creature inside The manufacturer Was officially prohibited After a number of grisly accidents But there's always a market for Easily concealable destructive items So you find this little pouch And inside of it there's three little spheres One is blue one is red and one is green and uh as you look at these little spheres about the size of marbles you can see what look like little elemental creatures just kind of spinning around inside of them um give me an arcana check please hang on I'm making notes okay arcana 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 seven um well, as you look at them, you understand what an elemental is. Like you, they were part of your, like your teachings and stuff like that from when you took classes. You know that they are living creatures, uh-huh. but like in a vague sense, like they're an essence of magic and like the elements themselves. Um, they do have autonomy and 
that if you understand that if you release them, they will attack. Maybe you, maybe other things. Uh, it, you do get the, you don't know how powerful they are. You're not really sure, like, uh, if they have, like, anything other than, like, the most basic of abilities or anything like that. But you are aware that if you break this, there's a decent chance. And it's like, you are the only one around. It will probably attack you. So. But as long as you leave them in there, then that's where they'll stay. So. Hey, Jazz. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> yes, I found, these I found these little spheres. I think elementals are in them. What the fuck kind of person was Barton? Like, what <laughs> the hell kind of person is Barton? Okay. Can you also put this in your quiver? Because we could use it in battle. I just released them. Just keep that on your person. That way you could decide to use them whenever you want to. Just just keep them out of Sir Goosington's beak. <laughs> Val is going to attach it to her belt. Alright, as soon as you put it away, uh, Jazara is going to take a crate and she's going to shove it at you. And she says, let's move. And she's picked up a barrel with like the rations and stuff like that and you guys start moving stuff over to the ship and we will switch over to uh asha who is making her way over to orvo's hut i'm assuming mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you make your way through the town it's very quiet it's peaceful there's like no loud noises it's just you the fresh air some sun and peace <laughs> you just slowly make your way over to Orvo's tent. Maybe take the time for the walk. Maybe meander, take the long way around a little bit to get there. But you just, you take your time. Uh, by the time you get there, you're a little calmer. There's a, you know, a lot less stress that's been left behind in the snow behind you as you just <laughs> let some of it go. And uh, as you arrive at Orvo's tent, you see him out there. He's making like a fire and stuff like that. He's clearly like wrapping up the, his breakfast of the morning. And uh, you notice there's like several like packs and stuff like that that are out, outside, like sitting uh, just outside of his door that wasn't there before. Uh, but he spots you and he and he waves at you. It's like, ah, hello, friend. Good morning. How goes? Uh, <laughs> we were just down at the docks and the ship will be ready noonish. So I was just coming to see if all was ready with you and figured we could go back together if you were ready or I can help you uh, get ready if you need <laughs> so hi I can definitely be ready I got all of my supplies uh, last night and he reaches over and he pats a pack and you can see little fish sticking out of it and he says I even remember to get some of those fish that you guys said were good to suck on oh that's nice Val will be so happy great i can't wait and he picks up like the the sack of fish and he's like well i just need to do some last minute uh cleaning up and he gestures to the fire and everything like that he said i would appreciate it if you if you put out the fire i will go grab my axe and we can head off and uh, put these supplies on the ship <laughs> absolutely let me get to that and then you I'm put out the, the fire yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so you can just like shove some snow on it and like that's fine <laughs> He goes to grab his axe, and he takes the, the bag of the fish and another bag, and uh, you grab the remaining one for him. And you guys mm -hmm. start walking back to the ship. And uh, by the time you and Orvo get there, it's about the same time that uh, Jazara and Val, probably on their, <coughs> on their second trip at this point, which is probably the last trip, uh, mm -hmm. have arrived back at the boat as well. Awesome. Honey. Awesome. <laughs> Honey. Oh. 
that in your face? I guess it's from her home. She can put it in her face. <laughs> it's making noise. It's making flopping noises. And I'm just not gonna... Yep. <laughs> My cats have a fish toy that moves. <gasps> Do they like it? They, yeah, they'll hold it and then they kick the crap out of it. <laughs> as much as a cat can express love. Uh, it weirds Inky out a little bit, but Bucky kicks them a lot. So. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but so yeah, so you, um, Val and uh, uh, Jazara have made, like, two trips at this point. It should be the last of the supplies, and, like, some of the crew is helping them load stuff onto the ship as uh, um, Val and uh, Jazara, you both turn, and, like, uh, you can see Asha coming with uh, Orvo over towards the ship with uh, their own supplies. And uh, Orvo <laughs> goes and introduces himself to the uh, first mate and the captain. As as Orvo and uh, Asha are walking towards us, mm -hmm. Val to Jazara says, not so quietly, so I shouldn't tell her about the brains. Only if you want her to turn you into a golem using your brain should you tell her that. Got it, okay. Okay. What brain? Nothing. Jazara will look at Asha and she says, nothing happens. Just a book. Just more books. Just books. And Asha just kind of <laughs> grits her teeth and turns it into a smile. There you go. And Jazara uh, just kind of like... Jazara <laughs> just kind of pats uh, like Asha on the shoulder and she says, uh, it's not getting better. Yep, yep. But I don't want to make a scene in front of Orvo and other people who don't know us that well. And yeah. Yet. All of this is said in undercommon, by the way, like, so that the people around you can understand it, so. Nobody needs to hear about talk about brains, so. But, uh, <laughs> so you guys start loading some stuff on the ship. Uh, is there anything you wanted to do before the ship set sail? Yeah, uh... She should take her mask. Uh, yeah, Val is gonna take her okay. her gift of seasick potion. Okay. She can so you, not be seasick. You take some of that uh, not too long before the first mate says that you guys are ready to set sail. And uh, anything else you wanted to do? Or you guys just kind of help around the ship getting everything ready before you go? Yeah, just help around the ship. Yeah. You know, the first mate is more than happy to give you guys tasks of things to do, things to put away, and uh, keeps all of you busy until the ship is ready for to set sail. Um, Val is making sure that she can take the longest route doing her tasks because she is just following Asha and seeing the little boy <laughs> fawn over her and like mess they're up. They're both constantly. kept very busy, so like for the like he their paths cross every once in a while but not too often and the second you aren't doing what you're supposed to that first mate is there and in your face <laughs> wondering why you're not doing the shit you're supposed to be doing as soon and as she's a little sus as to why you're following so closely <laughs> yeah but she's also just doesn't want to get yelled at by the first mate either so she's still working yeah Val probably gets herself in trouble like a couple of times with the first mate before like she moves you to be doing stuff below deck <laughs> and uh she puts you uh working with like the old dwarven woman who's there and uh neither of them suffer idle hands so you are kept quite busy and uh Probably not too long before you guys set sail, you hear the roar of a polar bear 
and uh, Morgo in polar bear form uh, meanders up the gangplank and onto the ship. And uh, you guys, I'm assuming, gather towards Morgo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she Val, changes. Val, Val quickly, like, as soon as she's been put next to the old lady and we're just, she's putting Val to work. Yeah. Val immediately goes back into her nameless city duties because like, she's very used to, like, her mother watching. Yeah. So, like, she, so she's, since she's in that mindset, like, as they're working and, you know, we hear Margo, uh-huh. uh, Val doesn't get up until she, <laughs> until the old lady says, move. <laughs> okay. The dwarven woman, like, pats you and she says, good job. And then she, and she says, now move. <laughs> and she makes Val go up the stairs. And uh, Morgo, as all of you gather around, she changes back into her, uh, you know, normal person form. And uh, she has a pack with her and things like that. She says, I have spoken with uh, other members of the village and they are going to take over my duties uh, with the expedition I was going to lead. And I instead will head towards Pale Bank to see if I can buy some of your friends some more time. Well, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. And she's... She looks at all of you, and are you heading out to find a cure? That's the talk around town. That's what we've been trying to do. Good. And uh, she is going to reach into her pack, and she will hand something uh, to each of you. And it's a a little bag, and she hands it to each of you. And uh, Val, if you open yours, it has a healing potion in it. And uh, for... In uh, an ashes bag, you have a potion of cold resistance. But how okay. big is this uh, vial? Um, I would say it's probably about as tall as a pin, and okay. Uh, okay. it's in the shape of like the Cusco poison bottle <laughs> into a llama, and uh, but it's poison not that tall. Cusco's poison. Yeah. So, and it's not, it's not that wide. And, uh, for Jazara, she opens the bag, and in it is this little, uh, stone. And in the stone is, uh, has a little arrow into it, carved at the top, and, uh, Morgo says, if you put that in water, it will point you back to the direction of Selrenia. But only Selrenia. And Jazara looks a little curious, and she says, that's, that will be very helpful for finding our way home. We appreciate it. And uh, Margo says, it's in case you guys get lost at sea. And uh, she kind of looks over the ship. She says, which is a possibility. Please don't. Yeah, Jazara kind of like looks at it and just kind of like, ah, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, oh, man, okay. And uh, but Margo says, sail quickly, sail fast. I will do what I can, but I make no promises. Got Got it. She slams her staff onto the uh, uh, onto the ship twice, and then she turns into a bird and she flies away. She can Why can't I do that? Not a druid, dear. <sighs> because the gods said that would be too much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so with that, all that in shocking departure. Uh, the first mate turns and looks at all of you and she says, prepare to set sail. And uh, the whole crew like jumps into action. They start raising the anchor, untying the ship and everything. And before you know it, you guys have pushed off out to sea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. joy. Is there anything you'd like to do 
while you're on the ship? Anything specific, I should say. Uh, Val would like to stand at the helm of the sh- at the very front of the ship. Okay. And just since she's not feeling like she wants to crawl, you know, you know, haul over and puke, mm-hmm. she just kind of wants to enjoy the breeze. Okay. Uh, make me a Constitution saving throw with advantage, and we'll find out if that's true. Uh, she hopes. Eighteen. Okay. Yeah. You're good. You took that medicine, you let it kick in, and you get out there and you're good. You've got your sea legs under uh, you. You're enjoying the is up on is up in my horn still, just yeah, also he's just chilling enjoying it. Kind of like fluffs his wings out a little so he could feel the breeze and everything like that. And you guys spend some time at the front of the ship. Uh Jazara will spend some time. She just kinda sits by the mast and she starts taking the um nameless city insignia that's on her current armor and like sewing it into her new armor that she bought so she can put that on uh and that will take her probably the rest of the afternoon to do um uh orvo is introducing himself you know to the people around the ship kind of making himself busy he's very eager to like help wherever he needs to and uh uh, you know, just kind of like chit chatting with these people that he like they're they're fairly new people to him. Like he's probably maybe seen them in port once or twice, but it's odd for him to have people that he knows lives near him, but he hasn't really interacted with before. So he's yeah. talking with them. Um, is there anything specific Asha would like to do? I know you have several like books and things like that as well. Mm, yeah, I can't think of it. I guess. I could look at some books while we're doing something, but I don't know. I... Myth will kind of come out and he'll, yeah. uh, he'll talk to you. And uh, you maybe you sit like on the deck where there's some nice light and stuff like that. And uh, maybe by Jazaro as she sews and everything like that. And you and Myth kind of like go back and forth to mm-hmm. chat about the books. And he'll, you know, as you guys read passages and stuff like that, you kind of debate some of the stuff that's in it. Whether, you know, it's like, well... This sounds a little exaggerated, or this sounds kind of weird, or it's like, that's a really weird custom. Is that normal on the surface? And then he'll be like, no, that's just weird human things. And it's just, you know. Weird human things. And you guys will, like, debate back and forth with some of the different uh, topics and stuff like that. And uh, he tells you, like, a couple of wild stories from the Feywild and things like that. But you guys have, like, some companionable time just reading and having a a spirited and good-natured debate in the process. So, you guys... um, spend probably most of your day on the deck because uh there's nothing to do in the day you know yeah. like in the hold there's no lights or anything either so you enjoy the daylight while you have it uh at one point orvo will come over and he'll sit with the uh you know with jazara and asha because he asks you about myth and uh you know what kind of creature myth is myth introduces himself kind of slightly like <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say can he tell everybody himself <laughs> like you might as well ask him directly yeah and like Orvo is super shocked that, like, Myth speaks. And he's just <laughs> absolutely fascinated. And it just starts asking Myth question after question after question after question. Just like, what is your name? Where are you from? How long have you been here? Is this world interesting to you? Do you di- is it different to you? What do you think of it? Like, have you seen this? And, like, have you been to the- over here? Or, like, where have you been over there? It's like, what do you know about this? And just over and over. Just, like, and I Myth just is just... Myth. <laughs> yeah, Myth head... I tilts further and further and further until it's like owlish likely you know tilted to the side eyes are widening <laughs> and uh and myth walks over to orvo and just puts a paw like right on his lips <laughs> it's like, shh, 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 shh. good little boy good shh. 
no, and then Orville starts to say something. Just, no, no, hey, and then Myth walks back over to Asha and just like curls up and just takes a nap. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the tail just gets flopped right over the eyes, just like you know. his social battery runs a little low sometimes. Does he need to suck on a fish? <laughs> I brought some, and he pulls out a bag that has a bunch of fish in it. Val can hear all this, and she hasn't moved. She her and Sir Goose are just staring straight across at the open at the open water. Sir Goose hops down too. Goose will suck on a fish for you, though. Val, like Val, heard the "Would you like some fish?" and the silence that came. She just, you just, you just see that the tail just. Uh-huh. The tail is Wait, moving quickly, back and forth, so quickly. But oh, so yeah. did jumps down off of your head and waddles over and just kind of like climbs on top of Orvo and just snatches a fish as he keeps climbing and then gets off of Orvo and then just goes and sits by uh, Asha and just starts snacking on his fish. But he does slam it into the deck a few times first. Just just, just because. And Val's tail is just swishing faster because she's trying not to laugh. And Myth kind of like peeks an eye open, like the tail comes up a little bit at the side of the fish, and starts to reach a paw over to take Sir Goosington's fish. And uh, Sir Goosington sees him, and they just, ah, 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 and you just start having a little fight over this fish. And uh, so there's just a little bit of uh, an interaction happening. So Myth seems to be having a good time about it, though. So, but Sir Goosington is ruffled. His feathers are ruffled. Uh huh. Physically and emotionally, his feathers are. <laughs> yes, yes. So that takes up part of the afternoon. Uh, Valkaria, roll me a yes. d6, please. Five. Five, okay. You guys are sailing. It gets into the early evening and stuff like that. And you guys are just kind of going around. Uh, you guys are, you know, relaxing into the evening. The shifts are starting to change. Some of the crew has gone to, you know, is getting ready for bed, but some most of them are still up on the deck and everything like that. And uh, one of them, uh, Plank Man, to be specific, is up in the crow's nest. Uh, and uh, he he kind of shouts down, uh, a bloom. Look, look, off the side of the ship, a bloom. And uh, you notice that most of the crew like turns their head and they walk over to the side of the ship. And it's very dark at this point, and like the sky is dark, the ocean is extremely dark as well. But out in the distance, all of you, as you gather to like to the edge of the ship, and uh, can see out in the distance, not not super far, like probably about a hundred feet. There's like one bright little blue glow in the water, and then a second one, and another one, and over and over and over, and all of a sudden, all of the water around you is just lit up with these little round circles glowing in the dark. I have a little image for you. But as you look into the water, there's a bunch of glowing jellyfish as they all like they flash in these little colors on and off in blues and greens and like pinks and purples and the whole ocean and all of that you can see is just lit up with these little glowing jellyfish over and over and they just kind of swim around the ship and you just kind of enjoy like the the very beautiful nature of all of these little glowing and some of them are bigger some of them are smaller and uh as they just kind of like bob around your ship 
Val this wants to so reach great. over with her staff and like just see if anything will happen. And it's... Asha's just prepared to let her try. <laughs> Jazara is not. Like she grabs the staff. Like no, no, leave them alone. They're not doing anything to you. I just want to say hi. No, that's not a way to say hi. That's the way to hurt something. No. Just... No. You want me to I'm poke you with back. the staff? No. You want me to poke you with it? She starts poking you with it. Huh? How's that feel? Ow, How's that feel? it! Knock it off! Ladies! Sorry. Just enjoy the pretty jellyfish, please. From a distance. <laughs> Take it all in. Did you guys... breath. Val you snatches guys... her staff back and just goes back to the front of the ship and watches. And, you know, like, Ash is standing there, Myth is, like, watching as well, Sir Goosington is perched next to Myth, they both have two halves of one fish. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you all just kind of, like, watch. the world for a very short <laughs> period of time. It's very lovely, it's beautiful, it lasts for, like, a, at least an hour, uh, before the, clearly the school of, like, uh, jellyfish kind of moves on, and, uh, eventually you all go to bed for the evening. And, uh, yeah, unless there's anything you'd like to do for the rest of the day, uh, your next day will commence. Nope. Alrighty. Is uh, there a fight for the corner in that tiny, tiny little room that we stay in? Is there a what? A fight for that tiny, for that corner. Oh, the one, oh, I see. The corner. Zara will let you ha anybody have it who wants it. Val doesn't care at this point. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So everybody just... Something our party desperately needed was a calming effect. Mm -hmm. And um, so you guys get up the next day, it's pretty calm. There's not really a whole lot to do. Like, Jazara keeps working like on the armor that she has and everything like that. And because uh, obviously she can only work on it during the day. And just she took all the insignias off of the old armor. And kind of like put that away in her bag and then she's now putting new insignias on um roll me a d6 everybody uh no just uh aaron okay we have a five that's what you got last time roll me another one please six six Alrighty. So you guys are sailing along. It's probably mid-afternoon. You know, you've eaten and everything like that. And you're just kind of hanging out. And then, like, you're just kind of hanging out on the deck. Maybe reading again. And um, as you're sitting there, there's a sploosh off the side of the boat. And then another sploosh a little closer because of the other side of the boat. And then there's a... <laughs> As something lands probably about five feet away from uh, Asha and has crashed down onto the deck and you see what is now a splintered open crate is next oh, to no. you. And then all of a sudden there's these just falling just trinkets and just like random pieces of rope and like crap. Just not like shit, but like <laughs> just like random pieces of trinkets and like boxes and things. Just start sprinkling the ship and around the ship and you look up and sailing upside down in the air is another ship. <laughs> and the crew of that ship is looking upwards so that they see you. It just waves as some stuff just like falls out of their ship. And Asha's just bewildered and she's reaching and smacking and what? smacking. Look up! What? Uh, what? And it doesn't even look Ow. like an airship. It looks like a regular water ship. Like a mirror. Yeah, and it, but it is in the air and it is just sailing over. Like Val is just 
The, the most uh, attractive face looking up just going to double up. Uh, both of you and Jazara, roll me a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Eleven. Eleven. Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Uh, everybody manages to dodge, like, things as they start to fall, like, out of the sky. Nobody gets clocked in the face with a, a crate or anything like that. Um, but uh, the captain kind of comes up to you, like the side where both of you are sitting, and he just kind of waves up, like, "Well, that's new <laughs> for you too." There's okay. a lot of weird things that happen here, so he's like, "I can't say I'm surprised, but that one's new." As he watches the ship go on, like that. Does that mean I can keep the trinkets that fell? I, that was my next question: is I want to know what fell. And uh, he kind of looks around, and there's just, like, a bunch of scattered, like, rope and, like, equipment and, like, some random stuff. He's like, yeah, if you find it, keep it. So go ahead and uh, roll me investigation checks, both of you. Uh, that kind of, you know what it feels like? is like when you're at a party and the pinata breaks open <laughs> and just start grabbing shit. You don't care what it is. That's valid. Where's my investigation? 15. 15? Okay. 19. Alright. <coughs> Nazar also got a 19. Uh, so you guys look around and you find some useful stuff. You kind of find uh, some rope that would be useful. Uh, you find, um, Asha finds like a little bag of uh, 15 gold pieces. Mm. And uh, Val, you find a little box and uh, it looks like a ring box and when you open it there's this little ring inside of it. And on top of the little ring uh, set in metal, looks like a little metal scroll. And uh, give me an arcana check with advantage. Uh, what is the advantage again? Uh, roll Two? your d20 twice. And then take okay. the higher one. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Plus four. Eleven. Eleven? Okay. Um, you've seen this before. Ring of Spells storing in the shape of a scroll. It lets you, and, and you know this because you've seen them around the Nameless City before. Um, it's a metal ring that you can wear and anyone can store a spell in it. So, for instance, Asha could cast Cure Wounds into the ring. And then you, as the person who's wearing it, can cast that spell once using it as then stored in the ring. Nice. Okay. Yeah. It takes the spell slot of the original person who used it. So, like, in that moment of storing the spell in the ring, that person expends a spell slot. But you later can use it without expending a spell slot. Got it. So, like, if Asha put Cure Wounds into it, you could cast Cure Wounds later on somebody else. And you could just keep it until you use it. There's no expiration for it. And I can just keep recharging it? Like, I can just put different spells in it? Yeah. Okay. It only holds one spell at a time, though. Time. Cool. And, uh, Jasara. Now we'll put the ring on, and then she'll figure yeah. out what she's gonna do with it later. Yeah. So you guys can figure out what spell you want to put into it. You can test it out a little bit. Uh, you guys can trade, like, who's wearing it and stuff like that as well. Um, but yeah, you can, it, uh, any spell first through fifth level. So, works in it. Yeah. And Jazara, she finds uh, some, she, what she finds is uh, some very nice cartography paper and uh, in like this little, in one of the boxes that had spilled open, um, there's some nice like 
map making paper that she'll take with her. So she's like, I could use this for when we go doing some exploring. That'd be nice. And she just kind of like geeks out a little bit. She has some map paper. Just that paper. She's, she's like, it's like when we buy stationery, and it's. Uh, she just kind of gets a little excited. She's like, I'm gonna, she's like, I'm gonna keep this. Like, one of you found like money, the other one found a magical item, and then she's just like, I have paper. <laughs> I have paper, but it's nice heavy paper. She's like, it's just it's heavy nice paper. Heavy paper. And Ani, I sent you the link for the ring so that you can review it later if you want to. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, so you guys, like, spend the day, like, kind of, like, digging through all the stuff and then helping clean up everything. And uh, Orvo didn't seem nearly as surprised about what happened as you guys did. And, uh, like, he, he just kind of shrugs. He's like, yeah, that's Isle Cross for you. And uh, unless you guys want to do any, anything else, we'll move into the next day of travel. So I don't want you guys to spend, like, the entire time we play D and D, just traveling. traveling. So like I'm kind of yeah. like just doing short. Yeah. Short. Yep, that's that fine. No, we're good. All right. Um. So I you guys, sure. Does is uh, Val's um anti seasickness potion? Mm -hmm. Is that is that something she has to take multiple times throughout the day? Once a day. Once in the morning and then once in the evening. It's probably okay. the best bet. So. Because it lasts technically like 12 hours each time. So you just need to take it once in the morning and then once in the evening. Yeah, and so I don't wake up puking. Yeah. Yeah, if she gets like any time past like that 12 hour mark, she feels it pretty fast. <laughs> so it's uh, it's not one of those things that fades slowly. It's one of those things that like you immediately feel when it's no longer working. So Cinderella. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's literally Cinderella. A pumpkin real fast. Yeah. Um, alright, that was day two. Day three, roll me a d6, and don't get a five or a six. Me or her? Uh, whichever one. I did you, you can do it, I did not. Not a five or six. Two. Two. <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys are just sailing normal day for the most part. The weather's clear, the wind is strong in your favor, so you're making really good headway. Um, the, uh, first mate tells you that, uh, she thinks you guys will reach land where Orbo has directed you all, um, to the specific island, I should say, that he's directed you all to. Because he spends most of his time, like, with, the whoever's at the helm, making sure you guys are going the right way and, like, where you need to go and just kind of chit-chatting. He gets, he spends time with you guys, too, like, talking and everything like that. Um, but he's very, like, mission-focused. Serious about his responsibility. Yeah. So, and he spends a lot of time doing that. He spends, like, the evening portions, like, with you guys, and, like, talking and getting to know you all. And uh, he finds the fact that you're not from the surface just absolutely fascinating. But maybe take some of the things that you say a little too literally, like the go suck a fish. And uh, <laughs> you get the feeling he's a very literal person and he might not understand that you're joking or, you know, trying to just, yeah. He, he, he's a very literal person. So, but, mm -hmm. um... As you guys are sailing, and he's up at the, the helm and everything like that, and uh, he is the one who calls out uh, for everybody. All of a sudden, he just yells, get down! Everybody get down! Incoming! Incoming! Get down! And uh, everybody in the and crew... And our traumatized crew just... <laughs> it's the Drop. deck. And you guys hit the deck? I get pulled to the deck, because I'm... Yeah, Jazara will, like, fully tackle you down, and, like, she yeah. shoves you both, like, to the... Where the edge of the ship 
and so that uh, you guys have partial, like, at least cover from one side. And, uh, uh, in the process, has probably, like, scooped up Sir Goosington, too, and Asha, you mm -hmm. probably grabbed Myth, who has been spending most of the time while you guys are on the ship out, just hanging out and mm -hmm. talking and everything mm -hmm. like that. Maybe you, like, scoop up Myth as you, as you, like, hit the deck and hide. And, uh, so, under one arm, <laughs> Shazara has Val, the other one, she's got Sir Goosington. And very high above you, so it, it looks like a very, it's a very good distance away from you. Uh, and you look up, and sailing over the top of you, this gigantic white-scaled dragon flies Great. over you. And uh, I'm going to have everyone do a collective stealth check. So both of you roll me stealth check. Thirteen for me. Twelve. Most of the crew doesn't do great, but uh, the rest of you, Orvo, um, like our whole party, Orvo, even Sir Goosington do pretty well. You guys don't make a lot of noise. You stay still and everything like that. And the dragon is really high up there, um, but it does just sail past. It doesn't seem to be nothing about you guys seems to draw any serious attention to yourselves. And you see it fly kind of um, in a very northwesterly direction. Uh, like where you're going, but slightly more west of where you're headed. And uh, you see it fly off in that direction. And you can just see Val mindlessly trying to follow that dragon. And she is just up. She is trying to get up and follow towards the end of the ship bolt that far as the ship will let her. Yeah. I I, I want to say that someone is trying to hold her back, but no. Valid yeah, well, yeah, like, Jazara is holding you so that you can't move. And, <laughs> like, if your, stale, if your tail starts flapping, she'll, like, throw a leg over it so you all remain as, like, still as possible. Because <laughs> it is a huge dragon, even though there was a huge distance from it. You are aware. Roll me a... Roll me another Arcana check. Crap, all right. 15. 15. You've obviously never seen a dragon, except for the one that invaded the Nameless City. That is the only dragon you've ever seen. And you were aware that that thing, when it reached its claws up and its head came up over the wall of your city, these yeah. things are huge creatures. And what your knowledge of it from years of like studying and things like that and you know learning about magic, Dragons are one of the most dangerous creatures in existence. When the Calamity happened, there was dragons who were a part of that war um, and caused a huge amount of devastation to the land, to the gods, and everything like that. They were acted as protectors of the people of Exandria, and their original purpose, you understand, was to protect the people of Serenia. So they were a part of the war, trying to protect everyone. They fought against the betrayer, the betrayer gods and things like that. They are capable of extraordinary feats of devastation and could easily wipe off any of the towns you've been to just off the map without, without wasting any energy, basically. And you're aware that what has just passed over you looks like a like a grown-up, maybe not a full adult dragon, but at least a uh, like a young adult dragon. Huh. Um, extraordinarily powerful and even harder to kill. So you're aware that what just passed over you was something exceedingly dangerous. And of course, Val wants to go near it. Of course, which is why Jazz is holding her down. Yeah, you guys 
spend like the rest of the day like there's a serious watch that's been put on uh and there's people placed all over the ship and uh there's a like all of the watches are doubled and things like that people are very cautious for the rest of the day and all of you feel a bit on edge at that point and you're a little bit uh a little bit worried but uh the first mate does approach you guys at one point and says they're, they're putting more effort into uh speeding up the journey and you can see actually uh is standing uh behind the sails is plank man and he has a he's holding a plank in one hand and he's got his hand stretched out towards the sails in another and there's actually wind coming from his hands hitting the sails making the ship go faster ah plank man plank has man the magical has abilities He's got some many secrets and many abilities, so he pushes the wind. There you're lucky. All right. And, uh, yeah, you do feel the ship start to speed up quite a bit, and uh, the captain tell, tells you that uh, he thinks that you guys should reach your destination by uh, midday tomorrow. Okay. okay. Good, good. All right. Because this dragon nonsense is not going to go. Uh, I guess I'd like to ask the captain and anybody that's more familiar with this territory. Sure. Orvo included, I guess. How common dragons are? It'll be Orvo who answers you. He says, "Well, you don't see them on in areas like Palebank and stuff like that very often. There is an island here on Isocross populated entirely by dragons. They're white dragons, and uh, no they're ideas. not. They're not often seen leaving. Like people see them travel constantly." Uh, in uh, the closer you get to the island, you can see them flying around and things like that. Mm -hmm. They don't tolerate outsiders. Everyone who's ever set foot on their island has been immediately eaten within the first few minutes. Hear that? And Checking. for the most part, as long as you leave them alone, they leave you as alone as well. But there's been more activity lately with the Tomb of the Worm cult. There's rumor that they worship a dragon. And as such, there's been more activity in the area. They've the, the white dragons have been more active and unfortunately nobody's sure if it's a good thing. There's been some reports of people getting attacked and uh, most of the time there aren't any survivors. Those who do survive are few and far between, very lucky, and speak of going against an overwhelming and devastating force. Almost like trying to fight off a, oh, force, of na a force of nature itself. Oh boy. And well, yeah. be something to definitely look at. <laughs> so luckily, our island is uh, a bit south of, of that, so we won't be passing their island. Yeah. Oh, goody, because I don't think Val would uh, make it past. Yeah, he says we will be passing <coughs> a few islands, but that's not one of them. Val yeah. walked away after, from from the conversation when she heard that she would be eaten on sight, so she's like, no, well. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't suffer visitors well. And you're also aware that dragons are just as sentient as you are. Yes. So they fully talk and everything like that. Yes. So uh so the next day comes. Uh I won't make you roll just because I will use this last one left. And uh it's early morning at this point, and uh you're all up on the deck. You're probably having breakfast for the morning and uh as you're you're just sitting there you know enjoying your company enjoying your your bread and, and your cheeses and things like that and all of a sudden the daylight vanishes the ocean and the sky vanish as well and your ship 
all of the, like the the creaking of the ocean and rigging noises stops. And as you look around you, you are not sailing through the ocean. You have entered into some kind of void, and it looks like you're sailing through space. Okay. And as you're, you're sitting there, there's stars in every direction, up, down, left, right. You see, like, these really large, like, rocks kind of float by. In the distance, you see, like, structures, shapes. And, uh, like, you can look up, and above you, there's things passing by and floating around. In the super far distance, you see what looks like buildings, possibly. And you're just Mm -hmm. sailing along. It lasts a minute, two minutes, keeps going. Val is walking towards Jazz, his tail on the floor, so it's kind of dragging behind her, so you hear the swoosh of it. Yeah. And Val walks up next to Jazz from behind so what the fuck are we looking at Jazara is wide eyed and she's like she had been like where you guys are positioned uh, we'll say that she was facing forward she's like there was just a flash and now we're here everybody roll me an arcana check oh I got natural 20 Ooh, okay uh as Asha, looks, as Asha looks around and you can see you're, you're starting to like the bewilderment of what's happening. As you look around and you the just absolute bewilderment starts to like give way to like logic and, and just trying to like figure out what the hell is happening. As you look around you realize that you are floating in what is called the astral plane. This is a different plane of existence and uh it is sometimes known as the Astral Sea, and uh, it is a, like, there are other le- planes of existence, like the Fey World, and um, mm-hmm. the Mortal Plane, and then the Shadowfell, and things like that, and this is one of them, mm-hmm. and this is one, considered one of, like, the Outer Planes, and it is entirely populated in a, in a way that looks like space. There's, you know that there's cities and buildings and structures and things like that, um, but that it's extremely hard to get to and extremely hard to get back and traveling through planes of existence is extraordinarily advanced and heavy magic and so as you look around and you can you know this place is populated um by species called the githyanki i I can send you how to spell those later um because they're not at all spelled like you think they are um there's also there are some like other species that are known to be here and there um, but one thing you do know that is populated here are lithids and mind flares. Right. Yeah. Can I hit the deck for this one? <laughs> sure. And uh, are you telling like the party like any of this? Yes. I, I'm. I would like to. As you're talking, I'm kind of just relaying, relaying the information. And just as the horror of everything starts to dawn on you that you're in a new plane of existence, that you are in a place where the uh, the worst creatures in the Underdark originate from, all of a sudden there's another flash of light and you are back sailing in the ocean. Oh, thank all the gods. <laughs> now, where is Asha standing and where are Val and Jazz standing? Uh, Jazz is probably hanging out closer to the mast because um, you were all originally like sitting together um, yeah. and you kind of like have taken up a space by the mast and it's kind of where you guys have been spending your days and stuff like that so none of you have probably 
gone very far. You all stood up when this happened and maybe like walked closer to the edge and things like that, but none of you were yeah. super far from one another. You probably stuck together. All right. I figure I would have probably just moved out, out of from under the rigging so yeah. much where it's more of a clear view instead yeah. of like the ropes coming down. But yeah. that's that well. At this point, Val just head at Asha. Oh. <laughs> that's what she says. I don't know. <laughs> and Orvo is standing there with you guys. Just eyes is, are so wide. And he's like, okay, that one's new for me. Uh, extra planar travel. That was... What? Asha, explain. What? I don't got any answers. I just know what it was. I don't know how we got there. And as you guys are like having like this argument and all that, um, one you hear one of the crew yell, "Full stop! Full stop for the ship!" And you look forward, and the, there's an island like right in front of you. Oh shit! Buckle up, everybody. <laughs> and the crew starts like, uh, you see Plankman. He runs to the front of the ship and he turns and he like puts both of his hands out so that wind is coming against the sails to slow the ship down. You hear them like throwing the anchor overboard. Zara will like help like pull like there's they have two anchors, one for each side, and they uh, they don't use the other one very often. But she they're starting to pull that one out to try and slow the ship down. You feel the whole ship lurch. Zara you know like helps them pull the other one out. And uh, the first mate yells at Valkaria to pull, like, on some of the rigging to help uh, straighten the sails. And uh, Orvo grabs you, Asha, and you guys start, uh, like, pulling on some other ropes towards the front of the ship, trying to turn the sails in a different direction to try and slow everything down. But you feel the whole thing just shake really hard as it just grinds to a halt as uh, you guys are much closer to an island than you think you should have been. And um, I will have Orvo... He does pretty good, I believe. Yeah, he does. Um, he kind of like looks around because I had him do a survival check, and uh, he's like, "Well, we're here. We're a lot." Far- he's like, "We're a lot farther than we should have been in just a few minutes. We traveled in that other dimension." It's like, but we're here. Thank you for the observation. He's like, at least it's the correct no, island. Too. I beg you. It'd be worse. Please don't say that. And the crew is all like very stunned and just kind of like looking around and they're just like, okay. And uh, yeah, so you you guys just kind of stand in stunned silence and uh, probably try to help the crew, you know, tie the boat off and figure out where you could like move the ship to uh, get off of the island or get off onto the island. So, you guys have finally made landfall. Um, you know, the, the ship, they figured out how to dock, and they moved the sh- ship so it was a little bit... Uh, you still have to take, like, a little rowboat to get from the ship to the shore, um, but it's not nearly as far as a distance as it, you know, you would expect it to be. Um, but you, the whole party, including Sir Goosington and Orvo, all disembark. You make your way to land. The uh, first mate was one of the people on the rowboat that helped you get to land. And she says to you, we will remain here until you return. If you don't return in a few weeks, we will just assume you're dead. Solid plan. Jazara, like, a little little miffed, but, like, understands the the (laughs) logic of that. And she says, hopefully we'll be able to return to you soon. 
Mm-hmm. Within the, first... the, the death time period. Yeah. <laughs> and the first mage says they have supplies uh, for three weeks, and we will remain until just a few days out. We yeah. will we will stay long enough that we have supplies to get back without issue. But we will wait for you as long as we can. Best of luck, and may the gods be in your favor. You may need it in Isolcross. Mm. <sighs> Start praying, Rasha. Oh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, the way we'll do it for the next, uh, you guys are traveling, you're going to be looking for Saul's Vault. Um, Orvo says he knows it's at least a couple of days hike into the island. Um, but he's going to be making, um, with help from you guys, uh, checks to try and keep everybody on track and where you're going. You'll have advantage because of him, basically. Every day I'm going to pick somebody to do a survival check, and then an another person will do a perception check. Because you're going to be making sure you're going in the right direction and looking for Saul's vault, basically. And you'll have advantage of this because of Orbo. All right? Okay. So, and we'll just rotate through the through the party. So, but we'll this way we're not spending eons just on travel and encounters and yeah. stuff like that. So we'll go from there. If like you guys do particularly terribly with survival one day, like we'll we'll see how that goes. But and uh, the weather will change as well. So, um, so your first day of travel, it'll only be about a half day of travel. Um, but uh, Orvo is in the lead. So Ani, make me a survival check with advantage, and Aaron, go ahead and make me a perception check with. Eighteen. Twenty-one, not a natural twenty, though. Right. You guys are absolutely on track. Orvo is so confident that he knows where he's going. Um, you know, he spends a lot of time between consulting with uh, the map with Chazara, and, like, he has some, like, navigation tools and stuff like that, and uh, you guys are keeping an eye out. You avoid, like, some creatures that you see, like, off in the distance because, uh, like, Asha, you spot some, and you guys are able to, like, hide while some of these like winter wolves go by and stuff like that so you don't have to worry about that um val you're helping like orvo navigate and stuff like that with uh some of his devices and some of his devices are like arcane in nature so you're helping him like activate them and help you guys get spatially oriented and stuff like that and jazara's like uh keeping watch and making sure that like nothing's going around um there's a couple of times that you'll notice as you guys are going sir goosington just disappears but he might come back and later um He's and off like on if, his own adventures. Yeah, and like as he's walking, you know, and like if you see where his footprints are, they just vanish at some point, and then like he'll come back like in time for dinner, or maybe like when you wake up in the morning, like he, that's where he is. Um, but the first day of travel, you guys do really well. You think you make really good progress for the fact that uh, um, it's only about a half day travel. So this time, um, Asha, give me a survival check, and I'll have Jazara do a perception check. I'm just waiting for false hope. Like, we did so well on day one. <laughs> 18. 18, okay. Um, yeah, Desara only gets, like, a 10, but the, the weather's starting to pick up at this point. It's getting, uh, snow is starting to fall, and so it does obscure some of your visions here and there. And, uh, it's, it's, you're pretty sure you're on the right track, but your pace has been slowed a bit by the weather. And... check this time. No, I'll do, yeah, I'll do a perception check and uh, Val, give me a survival check. Nine. Nine, and 
Val gets, or, uh, Jazara gets an 18. So, you guys are, you think you might be getting a little off course. Um, the weather's starting to pick up. It's the, like, it's starting to snow more heavily. Um, your pace is slowed for the most part, and, uh, Orvo is having to, like, have you guys slow down in order to keep within the general frame of where he thinks you should be going. And, uh, you, you're pretty fairly confident you're heading at least in the vague lead correct direction, but you are getting a, a little slowed and uh, maybe not as certain of where you were as you were before. Um, let's do another survival and a perception check, please. Um, perception for Valkaria, survival for uh, Asha. 10. <clears throat> 10. 15. 10 and 15, okay. Um, the snow has gotten really bad. Like, at this point, you're on day three of, of it just snowing. And uh, you're on day four overall, day three of it snowing. And it's starting to get a lot stronger. It's slowing you down because the snow's starting to build up. It's hard to walk through. And you guys, uh, the snow starts to just start pelting down. It's constantly, it's, you're having a hard time seeing in front of you. And, to, and as you're walking along, it's probably early evening you're trying to figure out where you're going to stop for camp for the evening but the snow just the blizzard just really starts to pick up and it's just you're having a hard time seeing you're walking in a line you're having a hard time seeing past the person in front of you and all of a sudden all of you get buffeted by this huge blast of wind and you have to like hold your arms up to cover yourselves and uh as this just kind of like stagger your steps so you don't get knocked to the ground and you start pushing forward and uh, trying, trying to make it like forward to hopefully to like some rocks or something. And uh, as this wind and snow just kind of like buffets you all of a sudden, it starts to kind of like whip around you a bit. And as you start to like make your way forward and you can finally open your eyes and no one else is around you. Great. Like you don't see anyone from the party around you. It's hard to see like even a couple of feet in front of you. It's such a huge like a buffet of snow and you're up to like your knees in it and the blizzard is just coming at you and you're having a really hard time seeing. Now this is where we're going to do something slightly different. Okay. Okay. Something if you guys like it, maybe we'll do it again in the future, but this is something I want, just for the fact that I want you to make these decisions based on no other knowledge than what you have right now. Okay. So here's what I'm going to have happen. Ani, you're going to yes. take your, well, take your headphones off and go hang out in your room for a little while. Because what's going to happen with Asha is just for her to know. Text and, me done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll have her come back. Deuces! Bye! <laughs> It's like, she has no clue what's going to happen. So, as Asha's walking along, you're really just having a hard time trudging through the snow. You're moving really slowly. Um, give me a perception check, please. 22. 22. Damn, girl. You Not natural. Yeah, but you got real good perception. Like, shit. <laughs> Plus five. Yeah. You got real good perception. That's good, though. Like, that's really important. Perception is one of the most used skills in D&D, so. So, you, as you're, you're being buffeted by all this snow, you can see off in the distance, there's this glimmer of what looks like firelight, and you can see where 
it starts to be like a little bit of a, a like rock outcropping and uh, you can make out what looks like a cave and it looks like somebody has made a fire over there. Okay. Okay, if you would like, you can start making your way over there. Yep, let's head okay. over there. You trudge against the snow and the cold and the wet and like if you get closer and closer and you can make out two figures mm-hmm. and uh, one of them is much larger than the other one and as you get closer, you have to get super close to like the outcropping of the cave to actually make anything out because mm-hmm. of how bad the snow is, but you kind of, like, take... Do you want to walk into the cave? Like, it, it's a pretty, like, open cave, um, So and they're not sitting that far into it, but uh, do you want to, like, step into the cave? Do you want to, like, observe them first, or...? I would very much like to observe them first a little bit instead of just saying, hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're sitting around the fire. Uh, it looks like they're cooking something. Um, there's just mm-hmm. two of them. One of them appears to be a, uh, a dragonborn, and uh, the other one appears to be a dwarf. And mm-hmm. you can't like make out much more than that from uh, where you are, but you can see that uh, they just seem to be sitting in companionable, um, you know, just around the campfire. Look like they're, they've unpacked a little bit. There's two bedrolls that are laying out and uh, they seem to be cooking something, so. Uh-huh, okay, all right. Cooking, let's see. Is there like, hmm, I'm trying to think of the best way to, I'm not really ready to approach. I don't really know if that I have another option, but yeah. like, kind of like, Asha's very cautious, you know? Fair, fair. So, um, she's not Belle. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's, I guess, let's move a little closer. I want to get to maybe like where I can maybe listen in on a conversation and see what kind of what they're discussing. Sure. Possibly. Roll me a stealth check, please. And I will stealth. roll. That would be a 10. 10? All right. They didn't do very well either. Their highest one was an 8. So they don't see you. Um, but you can kind of like get up close to like the side of the cave and you and you hear them talking. And uh, the dragonborn um, sounds like a, a female voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's she's very large as you're, you've got closer to her. She probably looks like she's about 6 foot. Um, she has... You can't really, it's hard to make out in the light, but they look like either white or blue scales because you know that dragonborns are all the same colors as like regular dragons and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So they all vary in different shades. Um, but uh, uh, the white doesn't really surprise you based because of like the environment that you're right. in and like mm-hmm. white dragons around and stuff like that. But she seems to be having a, like a companionable conversation with uh, her male dwarven companion. And uh, you can hear them talking and uh, the female dragonborn uh, she says I you know I know I'm built for the cold but these blizzards are getting out of hand I'm really sick of this isocross weather and this I, I just I just wanted to go home we've been out here for weeks and uh, he he kind of laughs and he says I, I know and we're so close to home but being stopped by this blizzard it's just our luck isn't it and she laughs and she says I it's always that way in Isocross, and they and like they share what looks like some tea as they start to make it and stuff like that, and uh, they just kind of chit chat a little bit about more or less about the woes of like being out in the snow and stuff like that, and just like getting by the sounds of them, they've been like out here for a while, and she complains again about like uh, I was like we're start- I'm so tired of eating tack. It's like I want a hot, warm, real meal. 
It's just like, this stew is literally the last of our supplies. Like, I don't want to, like, we need to get home tomorrow. She's like, I don't want to do this for another night. Hmm. She's like, this snow is ridiculous. And, uh, and her dwarven companion just laughs, and he, like, drinks from a flask and all that. And he says, <laughs> I, I could use some good meat. And uh, he takes, like, another, like, couple of swigs, just, like, back-to-back of his of his flask. And uh, they just kind of chit-chat. So as, as you stand there, you are getting very cold. But, very uh, cold, yeah. Very, and, very cold. And Asha's not hearing anything that's uh, setting off too many alarm bells. Mm-hmm. Now she's just trying to figure out the best way to approach. Because um, she doesn't want them to immediately kill her. Yeah. Uh, so she's going to maybe make it look like she wasn't just listening at the edge of the okay. camp. They aren't so like immediately on edge with her. So she's going to back up a little but then like go outward so that she can kind of approach the cave more directly. Sure. Sure, yeah. So you kind of like slide down a little bit and like you're cautious and you go pretty slowly and you kind of like make your way out around and you kind of like approach more from a way that they'll definitely see you in advance this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, hands up in a in a peaceful gesture as yeah. in, I don't have weapons. I'm I, you know the uh, female dragonborn, she spots you and she stands up. She has her cloak with her and she mm-hmm. kind of like raises it up like by her head and to kind of like buffet, uh, keep the snow mm-hmm. from buffeting her. And she says, hi, who's out there? Hi. Um, I am uh, <laughs> seem to have gotten uh, separated from my party and this blizzard is killer. Um, and she and waves I- you in. She's like, come, 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 come. This is, blizzard is insane. Let's go. And so I go in and you know, standing a little awkwardly because I still don't know these people and I don't know how they're going to react to me either. Um, but, but I've moved inside the cave, like kind of mm-hmm. out out of the main wind path. Yeah, and uh, they gesture you in, and uh, she looks you up and down as you're just like covered in like wet and snow, and like it just looked raggled from the weather. And she says, "I a little she's sad." Like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's like, "Come, come, come. We have a fire. Sits it." She's like, "Are you all right?" For the most part, I I don't know where my party is. I, like the snow got so bad, I couldn't. I I just seem to have lost everybody. So like, uh, blizzards here can do that. And uh, her and her companion like kind of like share like a, a companionable look of like the weather in Isengrass sucks. And uh, she says, "You had a a group with you?" Yeah, um, my two best friends and and uh, our uh, guide. And I, I just, they, they're back that way. And I'm a gesture vaguely in that direction. What I think yeah. is the way I came. Um, and I don't know where they are now. <laughs> the, the hysteria is coming. She's yeah. trying to choke down some tears because there is a little bit of panic, but she's a little yeah. too cold to cry. Yeah. So <laughs> she's, she's feeling things. Yes. And the, the dwarven man uh, next to you, and he says, hi, well, we're not that far from town. Hopefully your companions can, can make it there if, if they got lost. And uh, the female dragonborn, she says, pardon our manners. Uh, she says, I'm Marlo. Mm-hmm. And this is my companion. Uh, d- um, <laughs> just started to spit out three <laughs> words at once. <laughs> this is my companion. Blah. And my friend, Blit. <laughs> this is my companion, uh, uh, Barlow. Marlow and Barlow. All right, that's not going to get confusing in terms of... My name's Asha. Pleased to meet you, more than I can say. <laughs> and uh, and 
uh, she gestures, she's like, would you like some tea, dear? You oh. look very cold. Oh, that sounds and amazing. Together, like, they gather up some stew and some tea in the hand, both to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you can go ahead and, like, eat and drink all you'd like. And, Thank uh, you. roll me, you're gonna roll me two things. Okay. You're gonna roll me a constitution saving throw at disadvantage. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then tell me what that is. Uh, that is a, uh, sorry, math. Uh, that is an 11. 11, okay. Yeah. And now you're going to roll me a wisdom saving throw, just regular. Okay. Um, 17. 17, okay. Mm-hmm. You are, you've got this warm stew and this nice tea, and you start eating it and drinking it, and the warm just spreads through your body, and it's so nice, because it's so fucking cold. And... Yep. As you're, as you're taking a drink of the tea and you look up and both of them are staring at you mm-hmm. <laughs> and you think, and they are both watching you with kind of tilted heads and then they both kind of lean in a, bit, a little bit in anticipation as the vision, your vision starts to go dark, tunnels in, and you see nothing. And ashes Uh-oh. out. Uh-oh. And now you can do me the fun favor of switching places with Ani. Yep. You can go hang out I mean, in her room and you can send her to me and don't tell her anything, please. Absolutely not. Yeah. I don't even yeah. think we could, I don't even think I could do it quick enough. To- <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, just make a note. Sure. And then I will close my notes so she can't see them. There you go. All right. This is interesting. This, uh, this feels like a weird like a, a dating game where you don't know what the other person's doing. <laughs> All right, let me go get her. All right, thank you. All right. Um, Valkaria, you, after being buffeted by all of this snow, and you kind of like feel like you're getting knocked back, you are so fucking cold. It's ridiculous. And I am not happy. Yeah, and it's like you kind of like put your arms down after like having to like put them up to like protect yourself from some of the wind. You realize none of your companions are around in any direction. And I'm going to have you make me... for a long sigh. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not even, like... Not Val even doesn't even react. She's like, fuck. Alright. So, I'm going to have you go ahead and make me a perception check. Nine. Um, is you're, you're kind of, like, looking around, but you're still, like, trying to trudge forward through all of the snow. At least, even if you can't confine, find your companions, you're looking for some place to take shelter in. Right. Because you have to get out At this point, it's survival. Yeah, you have to get out of this weather. And you kind of like your turn as you kind of, you're kind of like looking off like to the left. And just as you turn back to the right, smack. You smack right into the side of a building. Ow. You kind of like look up at like this building and there's like this wooden wall and you have just slammed yourself against it. And uh, I repeat, ow. It looks like a one story building. And as you're kind of like looking around it, you hear like a, a rattling of a door. And somebody kind of like leans out and is like, hello? Who is anybody out there? If I say yes, will I get killed? No. Are you going to try and kill me? Because that might change my answer. No. And then peeking around the side of the <laughs> building to look at you is a uh, dragonborn, a white scaled dragonborn, which doesn't particularly surprise you. You know that dragonborns come out the same colors as dragons do. And considering the environment and everything, like, white would make sense uh for the snow and 
uh, white dragons are like arctic and all that and he kind of yeah. like leans around the corner and he's dressed like in in um kind of like makeshift clothes but he's got like this apron on uh -huh. as well and uh, he has a rag and he's kind of like he kind of like leans around the corner and is like are you okay yes hit the mm. building kind of hard no i'm not okay i am fucking freezing it's like why don't why don't you come inside it's like and he gestures and you kind of as you come around the side of the building uh, he points up, and there's a uh, dragon on a on the sign. It's embedded into the sign, and it says um, "Drago's Tavern." And he's like, "You've come to the right place if you're looking for something warm." Awesome, thank you. And uh, he kind of gestures you inside, and he's like, "We'll get you something warm and hearty, because you're gonna need it if you've been out in that weather." And uh, you step into this room. It's not very big. Um, it's, it's much, it's even smaller than the Jolly Dwarf, um, but, uh, it's got quite a few people in it. There's, uh, a lot of dwarves and dragonborns. Um, dragonborns are, like, some of them are white-scaled and some of them are blue-scaled. Some of them have tails, some of them don't. Um, but, uh, it's fairly busy. There's several dwarves, like, going around and, uh, there's a couple of, uh, like, elves here and there, but it's mo it's mainly dwarves and dragonborn. And he gestures you. And he's like, I'm Drago. And uh, he gestures you to like an empty table. And he's like, sit and I'll get you something to eat. It's like, you're going to need it. And uh, the table that he gestures you at is close to like the fire, the large fireplace that they have embedded in the wall. And you can just feel the warmth like starting to seep into you. Oh. Val has positioned herself as close to the fire as she physically can yeah. without being in the fire. Okay. And uh, you just kind of like just absorbing all of the warmth, and you like might take out off like a couple of outer layers that are just wet from the snow. Oh yeah, Val, Val has taken off all of her jackets that are like what, her jacket that's wet. Yeah, and she's just sitting down, right in front of the fire, tail curled around her, mm -hmm. arms around her, just trying, just getting all the warmth, not moving. Yeah, and just staring, like contemplating whatever the fuck is going to happen in the next few hours. How so she's you... gonna find her friends. <laughs> yeah, you just starting to like trying to think of like you need a plan, you know, you need to know what's going on. Make me a perception check, please. Nat 20. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> um, as you are like looking around in this tavern and everything, and you see like dwarves and things like that, and they're all eating like this meat, these meat heavy dishes and stuff like that. You kind of like you're clocking them, you're just clocking some of the dragonborns in it that are sitting like at different tables and like it's not like there's a division between the dragonborns and the right. dwarves it's just there's a lot of them they're all eating heartily in these like really large meat dishes and stuff like that and uh, like large uh like uh things of ale and stuff like that yeah. and you clock a tiefling sitting at the bar and it's an older tiefling man not like old but i would say you would estimate like in his early 50s kind of a thing and like he yeah, yeah, and more or less. And uh, maybe you maybe a little older than your dad, but like okay. not not a lot. Um, if you were putting them in like in an age scale, maybe okay. just like a couple years older than okay. your dad, but not a lot. Um, but uh, he's got this very deep purple skin, and uh, he's got these two really big horns that start from the front of his head, go back and like curl really far, and then curl back like curl downwards behind his head and then the very ends of them curl back upwards 
and uh, he's wearing this really heavy like uh, gray cloak and it's got like fur lining in it and he has this very large thing of ale in front of him and he just and he kind of he's staring at you and he just kind of has a little bit of a smirk on his face and at, because of your nat 20 i'm gonna give you a very specific description looking at this guy and like his bit of a smirk on his face it gives you a feeling of a cross between tony stark in that like i'm been there done that i'm survived and i'm better than everyone else a little bit but also a little bit of that wildness of serious black after he got out of azkaban that tells you there's this man is a, is dangerous in his own right. Okay. Was most, I was thinking about how to describe this person earlier, and I'm like, that is the most specific description I could give. That like, is a lot of smarts. Yeah. Makes a lot of danger. Yeah. And you just kind of, like, get this vibe off of him. It's like, this is a person who's experienced in, like... Some shit. Yeah, in some <laughs> shit. But he's kind of got, like, this, like, bit of a... It's a bit of, like, a sassy grin to it. Like, the way Tony Stark would, like, smirk at yep. you. And uh, he kind of like picks up his ale and he, and he kind of like starts walking over to your table and he puts the his ale down and he kind of like throws himself into a chair and he's like, my, 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 I wasn't expecting to see him the tiefling this far north and you certainly look like you've been through it. Whatever. And Val just dead ass looks at him. Whatever happened to hello, my name is. How are like, you? And he and like he puts his hands on, hand on his chest. He stands up and gives you a very <laughs> regal bow. My apologies, my lady. I have truly have lost my manners from all of this time up here in the wilds. Allow me, allow me to introduce myself. I'm Levis. It's an honor to meet you. And he reaches out his hand to like inter- be introduced to you. Like, so you're gonna shake his hand? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just very tenderly. Val's just gonna. Yeah, hi. And like he, he like he <laughs> takes your hand and he like bows over it. And he, <laughs> this is. Would you do me the honor of telling me your name? Val blinks, tail twitches. She gets up, dusts herself off, and greets him with, "I am Valkaria Nykor, heir to the Dragonite Syndicate of the Nameless City." And he kind of straightens up a bit and uh, he gestures you to sit back down. If you do, he will also sit back down. Is well, I, I did not realize I was in the presence of someone so unexpectedly grand. And uh, he kind of like he has like longish hair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little longer than uh, shoulder length, but it's brown and it's got it's interspersed with like salt and pepper, <clears throat> and it's brushed back in the same direction that his horns go. So like it's okay. all kind of like swept back. And uh, you, as you look at him, you kind of get the sense of this is somebody who is rich in coin stories and crazy all at once. And in a way that's not necessarily off-putting, it's like it's oddly charming uh-huh. in the way that he is. And uh, at, at this time, the um, dragonborn that had invited you into the tavern comes back and he brings you this, like, this large dish and uh and it's just steaming hot of like what looks like really nice and hearty stew and he puts a uh, a thing of tea in front of you as well and uh uh the this tiefling man and uh just kind of like smirks up at the dragonborn and then he smirks back at you and he says 
So, Valkyrie Nycor, heir to the Dragonite Syndicate, what brings you here? Val takes her time. As she was, as would make her mother oh so proud of the decorum she's about to use <laughs> while digging into this stew and tea. While answering this man, oh, she just wishes her mother could see it. She takes her time, eats, you know, eats some stew, uh-huh. drinks some tea, pats her mouth with her napkin and says, do you want the short version or the long version? The specific or the not so detailed? Give me a interesting but not boring rundown. So you get the, like, he's asking for, like, the short version, but just oh, yeah. emphasis on the very Detail. interesting part. Yeah. He's like, entertain me. Our city got attacked by elithids. Magic disappeared. Uh, that hasn't happened. So I was sent with my friends on a mission to find an army to try and help us fight back the elithids. What am I doing here, exactly, in this frozen, whatever you want to call it? Um, he chuckles. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to save people from becoming popsicles. And he kind of like leans forward, like, you are the most interesting person I have met in a very long time. I've been getting that a lot lately. And uh, as you eat and, and drink, and he drinks his ale, and he says, you know, it's not often that I find such interesting people. And, I, and he says, and I must admit, I wasn't expecting you to be quite this interesting, but you certainly are. And he says, and I really, really hope you continue to be this interesting. And he says, do me a favor, dear. And what's about to happen? Don't die. Roll me two constitution saving throws. Uh, roll me a constitution saving throw at disadvantage. So roll 2d20 and take the lower one. So it's pretty, So which one again? Constitution? Yeah. Saving throw or no? Saving throw, yes. Saving throw, okay. 19. 19 for the lower one? Yeah. Jesus, okay. <laughs> um, you're also going to roll me a wisdom saving throw. Also a disadvantage, or just... That one's straight. Five. Five. You... You kind of, like, stagger a little bit, like, just sitting in the... You feel, like, really strange. And, uh, the dragonborn that has delivered your food, you catch out of the corner of your eye, comes back over to you, and you kind of, like... You're starting to feel really strange, and your vision's starting to, like go dark and then it comes back and then as you blink and it starts to go dark and come back and you're fighting it hard and I'm you kinda, yeah and you're kind of like leaning forward but as you turn because you're just starting to wonder like what the fuck is happening you see the the dragonborn that invited you in he picks up as he sees that you are not unconscious he picks up a giant tray and hits you over the back of the head with it and you slam into the table and your vision just goes dark and Valkaria for the moment knows nothing so I'm out cold you are. Please go get Aaron, and both of you come back to the table. Great! We're back. One thing that you register, Valkaria, is that there's something about his magic that seems familiar, but in a way you can't place. Which Just one? The guy. The uh, tiefling. Okay. But you can't quite place why it seems familiar and it seems like it's niggling at the back of your mind 
and it's so familiar, but yet not at the same time. And you're not okay. quite sure why. So I'm now going to tell you about Sir Goosington. All right. So Sir Goosington has been in the snow, in the storm, and he's, like, having a hard time walking. At some point, like, he was in Valkaria's hood, and then, like, the snow was really bad. It was starting to, like, build up on top of him, so he popped out. And uh, so he would could shake some of the snow off of him. And in the time it takes him to do that, he turns and the whole party's gone. And this time, not because he meant to disappear. <laughs> and uh, as he's walking along, and he's kind of like, kind of really just complaining at the weather and everything else. All the snow is buffeting him. And, and uh, he's walking along. And then all of a sudden, he hears like a rumbling noise. And then there's this shaking and this mound of snow that he was walking towards, like, he's he's trying to get to it so he can get on top of it so that he can, like, get a better vantage point. And he, like, starts walking up this hill, and he's, he's struggling really hard. He's flapping his little wings to try and help him because he's just sinking into the snow. He finally makes it to the top of this little hill, and the, there's this rumbling sound, and then the hill he's on starts to shake. And then it <laughs> shakes a lot, and then just one giant like limb and then a second giant limb come out from underneath this hill that might not be a hill <laughs> and then this really long serpentine head comes up and a giant white dragon turns its head and looks at Sir Goosington <laughs> and Sir Goosington looks at it and it roars at Sir Goosington and Sir Goosington's just wide eyed staring at this <laughs> giant dragon in front of him and then uh, he goes <laughs> and it roars back at him and Sir Goosington takes, like, puts his beak down, pulls up his butter knife, and just goes, <laughs> and then lunges at this dragon. And this dragon no roars. No preservation like, skills. Yeah, this, this dragon roars and gets up, and then uh, Sir Goosington and this dragon just, like, clash into each other. Uh, one little feathery fiend against this giant scaled thing. And uh, I will leave Sir Goosington's adventure there, without you knowing whatever the fuck's happening. Um, and I will switch over to Jazara. Uh, Jazara, who had been standing close to Orvo towards the front of the line as she was walking and looking for, uh, like, as you guys were making your way through, she has to, like, cover her face to keep some of the snow out. When she puts her arms down, she's alone. And there's nobody around. And she's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And uh, she starts looking around, trying to find, like, higher ground and stuff like that. But it's mostly flat where she is she has no idea where anyone is and she can't even see more than like five feet in front of her at any given point she's starting to like walk and she's starting to call and she's like valkaria aja goose oh <laughs> somebody and uh, she's starting to walk and uh and just as she's starting to call like for people she hears like this very faint call back and she thinks she hears like a hello, but she can't quite tell and she's having a hard time like getting her bearings. Yeah, she's having a real hard time getting her bearings <laughs> <laughs> with that one that I just rolled. And uh, uh, as she's starting to walk and like, she feels like a rumbling, almost like it feels like a little mini earthquake. And she kind of stops and she's kind of looking around and then she doesn't feel anything. So she keeps walking then she feels it again, but a little stronger this time. And then this time she's more certain that she felt something so she's starting to like pick up the pace a little because she's not really sure what's going on and but she doesn't know where she's going and uh 
she start she's not calling for anybody anymore but she feels like the rumbling start to get faster and like or more often and then stronger and then all of a sudden like out from probably about 50 yards away she can see something is clearly moving underground as the snow kind of like is on the surface is just like moving you know like when you see those really bad movies like the worms in the ground and yeah just kind of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's the little dent on top of the on top of the earth because that's how the earth works right uh, <laughs> and uh, uh take care like, all your bad worm movies <laughs> i've seen many and she can see like this something is underground and it's kind of zigzagging around back and forth and uh she's starting to try and move faster like away from it uh, but it's starting to zigzag closer towards her and it starts picking up speed and probably about 20 yards away from her this gigantic 20 foot tall worm creature bursts out of the ground and it is no it has no eyes it has no real face it is just a giant <laughs> open maw that of just like rows and rows and rows of teeth and it kind of goes <laughs> at her and she's like fuck 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 and she starts taking off as fast as she can her boots give her a bit of advantage of letting her like walk in the snow but mm-hmm. she is trying to outrun this tw- 20 foot tall worm <laughs> creature and uh, she's she's it's gaining on her not as quickly as it would like but as she's running um and it's starting to like pelt the ground like it slams itself in the ground like beside her and near her and uh, trying to catch up with her and it'll like dive under the ground and come back up and dive back in the ground and come back up and uh she like starts to take out her her bow but she doesn't stop running and uh as she's as she's trying to run and uh she's not really seeing anything and uh this axe kind of like whirls past her face and like hits the worm that's not too far from her and uh she can hear orvo yell this way over here and uh she's like where are you because she can't she can't see anything he's like follow the sound of my voice and yeah she doesn't do too bad she starts trying to make her way in a more like left direction and this worm is picking up speed and getting closer to her and then uh orvo is on like this outcropping and he jumps down and he's like throwing an axe at it he's like we have to get to higher ground and he points to some rocks that are in the distance because what he was standing on was like this bank of snow Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, it can't go through rock. And uh, she's like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? And she's like, and he, and he just like, it's an ice worm. Now run. And they both just <laughs> take the fuck off. And it's, it is gaining on them because its speed is faster than theirs. Ooh, but they're doing really well. And they're managing uh, to keep ahead of it. It's not gaining too much on them. And uh, it's probably about 10 yards behind them at this point, And it's just slamming itself into the ground over and over. And it comes back up. And uh, Jazara starts to, like, knock an arrow. And he says, it won't matter. He's like, they, they're resistant to non-magical damage. And, and she's just like, fuck. <laughs> okay. And they just put all of their effort into trying to outrun this thing. As it's roaring out. It's not doing great. And this, uh, as they're get to this outcropping it's probably about 15 feet high of rocks and they start climbing up the rock and they're just immediately just starting to try and scale it it's uh and they're moving pretty quickly but uh just as like they uh jazara's ahead of orvo yeah jazara's ahead of orvo and uh, she reaches the top the top uh, of this little outcropping twice or first 
and uh, he's right behind her, just as the worm comes up and slams itself into the rock. And they both make it to the top as they turn around and they're looking at this worm that's not... It, it, like, it looks like it's dazed itself a little <laughs> bit because it's just like slammed itself face first into this rock. <laughs> and they're both looking down at this gigantic worm creature that's kind of like, you know... It, it's knocked a little bit of uh, sense into it. And uh, just as they're looking down at that, they hear a, a roar behind them. They turn around, and a second giant worm is right behind them, much closer. It slams down. It's maw just, like, open over them, slams down, and swallows them up. Okay. All right. So let's start with Asha. Asha. Oh, yeah. I actually got to find out what happens. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm... What oh, the that fuck? doesn't look good. Is that where you are? No. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't where you were. Asha, you're aware that you're walking. <laughs> but you are also aware that you are not causing you to walk. Mm -hmm. You can feel yourself moving forward. You are vaguely aware of an environment change. There's snow. A lot of snow. And then wood. And you get the impression of dilapidation. Something is run down. Something is strange. You can feel the bracelet of myth on your wrist. It's warm. It's really warm. It's heating up to an unnatural degree. It's almost like myth is trying to reach you. But you are walking. It's very important that you keep walking. Mm -hmm. And you're aware, again, of an environment change. You went from snow to wood to ice. The, the ground is slippery. You have to be careful, but you can't. You're walking and your vision is fading in and out, and there's so much ice, it's cold. There are voices. So many voices. But your wrist, it's so hot. It's it, You can't think of anything else but how hot your wrist is. What is it? It's myth? What's myth? Who's myth? Who are you? You're Asha. You're Asha of the Nameless City. Myth. Your wrist. Your, your friends. Your, your companions. You, you have to find them. You need to find them now. Where are they? Where are they? And you have that thought and your vision clears as you take in the surroundings. And you are not where you were when you were knocked unconscious. Valkaria. Mm -hmm. You also have a sensation of walking. But it's with purpose. You are going where you need to go. You are being summoned. Where you go is important now. They are calling for you. You have a purpose now. A vague sense in the back of your mind. That tiefling was so familiar. But you've never met him before. Why was he familiar to you? Was it this magic? You can feel it. But it doesn't matter. You have a purpose. You have to keep walking. You have a place to be. You walk through, you have a vague recollection of walking through a town, walking through a place, and then ice. A lot of ice. The ground is slippery, but it doesn't matter. You have a purpose. Asha, as your vision clears, you are in a room of ice. And in this room of ice, as you look <clears throat> around, give me a perception check, please. <clears throat> 16. 16. This image is what you see. 
<laughs> you, look, you look around this room. You were in an ice cave. And you're, you have been... You, wherever you have come to consciousness, you are standing against a wall. Mm-hmm. And there is... The, all of the walls are encased in ice. There's some rock here and there. There's people milling about. You see two people um, carving into this wall. And as you really look at this wall of ice, you notice it's pink and red behind it. And these people who are carving into this ice aren't carving into ice at all. They're carving flesh out of this wall. There's something frozen in this wall. Mm. But as you look around and the the massive scale of this creature must be insane because it takes up a whole wall and then just seems to go further into the ice in every direction where you can't see it. And there's these two creatures, dwarves, and they just, they're dirty and their clothes are torn and ragged and they have like these makeshift rusty weapons. But there's also these large like arctic winter wolves around. There is come up to at least your shoulder and they're they're growling and they seem to be watching they're watching these people who are digging and carving into this flesh and these people are pulling flesh out and putting it in large carts and then the carts are being cart you know, like driven off down the down back this hallway where you assume you came and as you turn to look down this hallway you can see almost directly across from you is Valkaria and she is standing in a mirrored position from you against another wall but she does not seem to be aware the way you are mm-hmm. and as you look around and you're, you, you can see the cave it's fairly large and you look up and sitting suspended from these two cages hanging from the ceiling one is an unconscious Orvo and the other one is Jazara who is leaning back kind of like against the cage she is not she is unconscious, kind of leaning back against the cave. And you stare at Valkaria, and Valkaria is staring back at you. But she's not blinking. And not in the normal, I don't blink very often way. In the, it doesn't look like there's anybody home upstairs. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. This will be fun. Oh <laughs> Now, you are aware there's people in the room, there's things in the room and stuff like that. Um, is there, I'm going to give you the option, is there anything you would like to, to do in this moment? Or is there anything you would like to focus on? Um, hmm. I'm trying to think what would be the... And your like... wrist is still very hot. Your bracelet of myth. I think I might start there because okay. at least it would be somebody to talk to <laughs> uh, you're gonna summon myth yes please as quietly as you can and without and with moving as little as possible you focus on myth and you summon him and he kind of appears uh immediately like on the ground beside you and as soon as he materializes he darts behind you like kind of like scurries up you and he slips into your hood of your cloak and uh, you can hear him. He doesn't poke himself out of it, but he whispers like, Asha, Asha, are you with me? Can you hear me? Yes. Where the fuck are we? <laughs> Where the hell are we? <laughs> we so much shit. It's like, 
after you he's like I have I have vague awareness when I'm in the bracelet that's how I know when you when you summon me but after you ate with those people whoever they were in the cave you fell unconscious but they could order you to move and you walked and you walked here and it's not that wasn't like you and I knew there was something wrong I could feel it I could feel the magic and and he kind of like very quietly pokes his head out and then he like dips back in and he's like whatever's happening here it's it's deep ancient evil magic it's vile and evil and, and he's like in ways I have not felt in centuries it's like we have to get out of here we have to get out of here now any clues on how to get Val and Jazz and he kind of like pokes his head over and uh, he says whatever took over you didn't manage to succeed but it looks like it took Val you'll have to wake her in my best bet my best guess is like you're gonna have to give her a rude awakening it's your best way to knock some sense into her and get rid of these abilities mind Mm -hmm. magics are very fickle and he says and usually they can be solved with a good clock to the head and he says you can deal with her and uh, he kind of like pokes his head out and looks at where Jazara and Orvo are I can see about getting to them but you're gonna have to deal with Alcaria alright um and he says, but you're going to have to do it quickly, because as soon as they see that you're not in control anymore, there's likely going to be a fight. They brought you here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is, but you're likely not going to let any of you go without a fight. Right. Shit. <laughs> and let me give you um, a better idea of what the room looks like. So this is what the room looks like. You are standing on one wall, and then Valkaria is standing on the other wall, and like, slightly behind you, up and to the right, is Jazara hanging from a cage, and then Orvo hanging from a cage. There's somebody, at this point, has kind of, like, meandered around, not too far from their cages, and they're kind of, like, loading stuff uh, into these carts that are underneath them. There's another one closer to the wall that seems to be carving things out. There's two wolves that are kind of, like, mm-hmm. patrolling the area, and you can hear... Uh, a large scraping sound, but you're not entirely sure what it is. So, like, this far left side over here, you can't see. And this is area here is around a corner, so you can't see that either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there's probably about 15 feet between you and Val. So, you could, you could get to her in a turn if you wanted to. Yeah, I think I'm gonna observe the wolves and see how they... And the, and the person walking around and see how they are patrolling uh-huh. and then I want to make a dash for it okay. and <laughs> yeah. so you, like the wolves as you kind of like get it you kind of watch them out of the corner of your eye and you get an idea of like kind of they're going in like a loose pattern and as just as they start to patrol like the furthest part away from you uh, are you dashing forward to Val yes alright what are you going to do to try to snap Valkaria out of this hmm well, Myth said a, you know, and just quick. as you dart forward, by the way, Myth jumps out of your hood, sticks his claws into the wall, and starts scurrying up the ice. Awesome. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go right up to the back of her and like cuff her in the back of the head to start. Okay. Uh, go ahead, and I'm gonna have you roll me an attack for that. Okay. You have to do a certain amount of damage. Um. Go ahead and roll a d20 plus 5 to see if you hit Val. 19. 19, you hit her. 
Uh, so you go up to Val, and you just, as hard as, like, you really can, you just take me swing to smack her in the back of the head. And, uh, go ahead and roll me 1d4. Yep. Three. Three. Val, you're gonna take three points of damage. Sorry. And, Valkaria, you're... You were in this fog space... And you could hear something, you're not sure what, but it's a deep, ancient, guttural sound. And it was chanting in the back of your head. It's like, mine, purpose, dig, eat. Mine, purpose, dig, eat. Free, free me, free me. And the, that free me keeps getting louder and louder and louder until your whole head is ringing with free me, free me. And it's like it's screaming in your mind. All of a sudden, something you feel like a force hit you, and then your vision clears and the voice vanishes. And Asha is directly in front of you. Oh, you made the noises stop. Thank you, Lord. What is happening? I don't know. I and don't, know. don't you draw hear, attention over here. You hear, uh, because when you darted uh, Asha across, like the there's no real hiding. It's open space mm -hmm, for the most mm -hmm. part. They're going to see you. And the two wolves turn and start growling at you, mm -hmm. and then the two what look like dwarves uh, stop what they're doing and are just staring at you. And the, like, the wolves kind of like start to growl at you, and they kind of like get a little low. And they start kind of slowly approaching you. And Myth, at this point, has scrambled up the ice. Has leapt from the ice in trying to make it into Jazara's cage. And he like, he his little paws like latch onto the side. The whole cage swings, and it like kind of like hits into Orvo's cage, shaking both cages. And Myth has like a really hard time scrambling up into the cage, into this cage with Jazara, but he does. And he reaches over, and he doesn't spare any expense. He reaches over and bites her as hard as he can, like right, <laughs> like right in the wrist. My boy. And uh, Jazara just like jerks awake. She's like, ah, fuck. And uh, she is awake, but in this cage. And I'm going to have everyone roll me initiative. 11. Actually, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Now, when I took, I know I'm being dumb, but when I took this three points of damage, was that for my hit points or my armor class? Hit points. Hit points. Hit points. You okay. never lose points from your armor class. Okay, so hit points. Well, I'm down to 70. <clears throat> Alrighty, and I got a whole. Jazar also got 11. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking stupid. <laughs> the one brain cell just goes, no. Oh, nope. God. I don't really want all three of you to go at 11. Um, you one of you. Yeah, one of you re-roll. Twelve. Twelve. That's <laughs> <not> common. <laughs> God say no. Alright, uh, that's fine. That's silly as hell, but that's fine. I gotta roll more, though. Okay. Um, and I'm actually, uh, Asha, please roll initiative for Myth, because he's going to try and wake sure. up more about, but he's going to act separately from you. Two. Two. <laughs> we're a little, we're all a little foggy from the mind fuck. That's mm. valid. Um. 
So you're both awake. Jazara is also awake. Jazara's equipment you can see is uh, below her cage and is like thrown in a pile with Orvo's equipment uh, on the ground below you. And uh, she just kind of like looks around and she sees that she's in a cage. She's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and um, what you don't Jadara, see... Jazara, our girl of many words. <laughs> and uh, what you don't see, and none of you see, is something on the ceiling starts to drip down, oh. down, down, down the wall. But you don't see that, so it's okay. Um, Orvo is still unconscious. But the wolves, however, are not. And both of the wolves are going to come after the two of you. Lovely. One each. The one going after Asha got a natural 20. The one going after Valkaria got a 15. So both of them are going to hit. And the wolves, Asha... You're going to take nine points of damage, dear. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Valkari, you take four. Question. Sure. Since this is a physical attack and uh-huh. I get bit, yes. Hellish Rebuke happens, right? Yes, you can use Hellish yeah. Rebuke. Yes, Yes, I want to use Hellish Rebuke, and that's 3d10? Hellish Rebuke for you. For you, my dear. Uh, yes, that is one of your first level spell slots. That's 3d10's worth of damage, so go ahead and roll me 3d10. 21. 21. You seriously fuck up that wolf. <laughs> like, it goes and it latches its teeth into your arm, and as soon as it does, fire bursts from, like, the open wounds in you, and it just consumes this wolf, and it yelps and just, like, jumps backwards it's slightly on fire it's it it, like has to stop drop and roll itself in the snow to put itself out but you have burned huge swaths of this creature and like especially the inside of its mouth where the fire originated from and uh you can tell that this winter wolf uh got real fucked up by that and next up is valkaria now it's your turn all right so, let's see. How much damage did it take? Okay, so it took 21 damage. Like, how how alive is it? Not very. Not like, very. I would say, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say it would take very much left to kill it, to be fair. You've fucked it up really good. It's on death's door. It's perfect. Uh, um, 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 um. I'm going to cast Burning Hands right back at it, just just to finish it off. Burning Hands? Okay. Val is pissed. Okay. So 4d6? Uh, if you're casting it in no, first 3D6. level, it's 3d6. And it is, I believe, a cone. Yes, so it, because it's a cone, you can get, uh, it's a cone that extends to 15 feet. You can catch both yeah. wolves in it. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. I will do a dexterity save. And you said I can cast it as a level two? You can, yeah, if you'd like to, because then that's 46 of damage. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, you fully kill the first wolf, the one you'd injured with your hellish rebuke, and um, the second wolf saves, so it doesn't take quite as much damage, and uh, but it does take damage. So you fully kill one wolf, the one that you had been uh, first engaged with. That you, that your fire, your hell fire, just pours over this wolf, and it just instantly incinerates into ash. And the other one, just a huge swath of like one side of it is just burned and its fur is on fire and it yelps but it is misty okay uh don't forget to mark off your spell slot for that one and your uh, hellish rebuke spell um let's see i don't think you have yeah uh you don't really have any bonus points besides converting your sorcery points into spell slots but just keep that in mind if you're gonna run out of spells um Okay, next up is uh, Asha. By the way, how many spell slots do I have? Uh, so for your first level, you have four first level spell slots. Okay. And uh, that's before you use any spells. So you're down to three now because you used uh -huh. spell tribute. And you have two second level ones, but now you're down to one. one. You just so one second level and three first level. Got it. Yep. So um, Asha. I'm going to go based on the fact that... Um, Flame seems to be really working. <laughs> it's doing really well against these ones. So I'm gonna do sacred flame. Okay. At the wolf. At the wolf. Cause okay. fuck that guy. Valid. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and uh, roll me. Um, yeah, roll me. I think they have to make a dexterity save. They do. I will make a dexterity save. Wolf. He does make it, so I'm gonna have him take half damage. So roll me a d8, and he'll take half of that. Okay. Well, he's vulnerable to ice, so technically, because he failed the save, it would just be straight then. So yeah, so just roll me a d8, and he'll take the normal damage. If if he had failed the dexterity saving throw, he would take additional damage on top of it. But so just okay. roll me a split. Uh, five. Five. Yeah. So you take uh, like a ball of fire appears in your hand, and you fling it right at this wolf. And it, like, jerks back, and you see, like, more of its fur start to sizzle. It's still standing, but between the two of you, you fucked it up pretty good. But, uh, and, yeah. So, it, anything else you'd like to do for your turn, my dear? Mm, maybe I will, uh, throw my dagger at it. <laughs> Just cause, Well, you have you. to, you have to use a bonus action. Because that was your action. Is, uh, oh, okay. Throwing Sacred Flame. So you can... Um, for your bonus actions, you have Shield of Faith, Healing Word, and Sanctuary. If you uh, want to do one of those. Because okay. you did a cantrip just now. So. Gotcha. Okay. I will learn this someday, I swear. You're fine. Uh, I'm thinking Shield of Faith, because, since I already lost so many hit points. Um, and I can I cast that, like, so it's just, is it just me, or can I kind of include her, or? Uh, Shield of Faith is just you, so you can increase okay. one of your ACs by two. Okay, I'll, I'll, uh, sorry, but I, I have, I need some help. <laughs> That's Good fair. Enough. So you yeah. cast Shield of Faith on yourself, so currently mm -hmm. your armor class is 17. Awesome. Okay. Alright, so, uh, next is gonna be Jazara, who's sitting in this cage. And she sees, like, the wolves go after you guys, and she, she doesn't give a fuck what's going on. Like, she just looks around, sees that you guys are being attacked, does clock the weird meat wolf. Just like <laughs> when she's staring at this meat wall, Jazara clocks 
that hanging on this wall, kind of precariously, but has clearly been put there on purpose, is a mask. And as she's looking at it, it is a white mask in the shape of a dragon that looks oddly familiar, like the one already in her quiver. Hmm. Oh, it's the one we found that Val said was But it's a different color. This one is white. The one you guys have is green. Green. And she kind of like clocks that and uh, before she gets back to work and she is going to try and break out of this cage by just kicking it as hard as she can. Okay, she gets a 15 because I rolled a 10. Um, and I rolled for something else that you don't know too. But uh, she gets a 15. So she reaches back and with her as hard as she can, she kicks the the where the lock and the gate meet. And she's going to do uh, four plus two. She has six points of damage, and the lock bends, like, really hard. It doesn't quite break, but it does bend. But because it's the first round of combat, Jazara gets two attacks, so she's going to do it again. 19 that time. Damn. Yeah. And she does four more points of damage. And so she, she, like, has her hands. It's a very small cage. So, like, she definitely couldn't sit up. She could barely sit up. And so she grabs the sides of the cage, and it's swinging pretty hard, like, back and forth at this point. And uh, Myth is kind of, like, crawling from on her shoulder, like, across her and getting ready to leap from her cage <laughs> into Orvo's cage. In the process, she grabs a hold of the sides of the uh, cage, and she kicks a second time, and the lock busts, and the door, like, swings open. And is uh, going to jump out of the cage and onto the ground. And uh, she was probably about 20 takes two points of damage in the process just because he's far oh i have another question can i sure. while you, while jazz is doing this can val equip her mage armor no it's that's something you have to do on your turn dear okay and combat just want to make sure uh yeah you'll have to use a spell slot for that one oh. um and uh so Jazara like drops down and her equipment's not that far from her so she reaches over and she's, she's gonna make her way over to the uh to the equipment. And uh, from there, it's the two guards' turn. So they kind of lumber in like this kind of weird, like shuffling way. And this one over here, like kind of like leaps off of the ladder. And you like, you see him, he was really high. He was probably about 25 feet up on that ladder. And he just turns and just throws himself off of it. Like he has zero regard for himself at all. And uh, he is going to take and he's kind of like, he's tilts his head in like a really weird, unnatural way. And uh, he starts shuffling his way over to you. And uh, he can't quite make it, but yeah. Um, but the other guard uh, was a lot closer and it's going, he's going to start moving over to Jazara and he is going to attack Jazara. Eight points of damage to Zara. As he like reels back with the, the spear that he has in his hand, and he like swings it at her, and he stabs her in quick succession twice. And she just kind of like backs up against the the rock a little bit, and uh, so her and him are gonna like square off with one another. And uh, Orbo still just swinging unconscious in a cage directly above them. Uh, next is Myth. And, uh, Aaron, please roll mm-hmm. me a dexterity check for Myth. 
So roll me a, a d20 and then add four. We have 11. 11. So he like starts to jump from one cage like to the other. Uh, but he can tell, like, as he starts to jump, he, like, realizes his timing is off and just kind of, like, digs his claws in to keep him from falling <laughs> out of the cage. Because he's still in Jazara's cage. Um, and uh, he's gonna uh, have to wait and uh, spend his turn just waiting to jump because he can't, he realizes his timing is off and he can't jump over to Orbo's cage just yet. Mm-hmm. So he's still hanging out in Jazara's cage. So, But he's small enough that he just slips right through all the bars. So. Right. <laughs> um, that's Miss turn. And you guys hear, as you guys are all getting ready to like square off and everything, you hear the scraping noise that had been consistently going stop. And then a sh- like the ground shakes a little and you hear and then a stomp and a stomp and a stomp and this gigantic, like just huge frost giant comes out from like where the opening in the cave was in the back of the room. And it just starts to stomp forward towards you all. And uh, it's holding, like, this gigantic, like, maul. And uh, that has part of, like, the uh, the little spikes on it are worn. And uh, it, it stands probably, like, 15 feet tall. It can't get to you quite yet because it's a little too far and they don't have a lot of movement. But it will be able to get to you within the next turn or so. so just so okay. you are aware. Gross. <laughs> Valid. Um, back at the top of the initiative order, again, something you don't see. The dripping has come down from the ceiling, down the walls, and is pooling on the floor. And from your guys' vantage point, you can't see it, but this pool has kind of just started to rise upwards. But you don't see that. Uh, Orvo is unconscious? And now it's the other wolf. So the wolf is going to uh, take a lunge, this time um, at Valkaria. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, Seven, he misses you. So the wolf kind of like starts to lunge at you, but it puts its weight on one of its burned paws and it just kind of like staggers and it goes, as it goes to chomp you, it just completely misses you in the process. And yeah, the other wolf is dead, so we're back up to Valkaria. Alright, um, at this point, Val can see this giant thing lumbering towards us, right? Yes. How far away is it? I would say about 30 feet from you. Okay, um, Val is going to cast darkness at it, and the thing in front of it. Okay. And your darkness spell is a level two, so yeah. So that's the last of your level two spells. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you center it right on there, and now fifteen feet in every direction around it is just completely covered in darkness. Yep. Um. It does get this other, like dwarf as well. He just gets into the edges of it. Um. So now both of them cannot see you. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, anything I... else you'd like to do, my dear? Yes, I would like to cast Mage Armor. You've already cast a spell this turn. Oh. You have to do some uh, kind of the... bonus action. Okay, um, um, so I'm there. I'm going to run towards Jazz. Okay. Uh, your whole movement? Yeah, just send me there so I can help her out. Okay, so you run. Um, you kind of, like, duck 
directly between you and the wolf and like Asha and uh, come up to the other side of where uh, Jazara is. And as you do, Jazara points uh, past like this creepy dwarf dude up at the mask on the wall. She's like, look, there's another one. Why do we keep finding these things? Like, I don't fucking know, but it can't be good that they have it. And she kind of looks at you, she's like, we need to get it. Of course we need to fucking get it. Of course we have to get the really creepy, nasty, evil thing. Okay. Okay. Anything else you'd like to do, my dear? Is there anything else I can do? Uh, you could technically convert your sorcery points. So, you have your your two meta magic points and what you can do i believe you, no, you have three meta magic points and what you can do if you would like you can convert all three as a bonus action and give yourself a second level spell slot back sure because at the moment that's about all they're good for if you want you can use two yeah. of them if you wanted and get a first level slot back no we'll use but, all three and get another yeah. one all right so you can convert your you kind of like cling to your staff for a moment and then like the energy that's built up in it you kind of like disperse like back into your body and you feel yourself rejuvenated with some magic and you now have one second level spell slot okay okay um asha uh not to be original but because it was working um i'm gonna cast sacred flame again at that wolf okay i want to finish this guy off before i have to deal with anybody else okay I will make a dexterity saving throw, and uh, he fails. So go ahead and roll me a d8, please. Mm-mm-mm. Eight. Eight. Awesome. All right. You wipe out one wolf. So that wolf, as you hit him with like, your sacred fire, he just kind of burns very rapidly into ash. <laughs> just poof. Ta-ta. Poof. The poof. The poofing and the poofing. And, uh, alrighty. So now, what is the, that? uh... What, the poof? It's from 51st Dates. Oh. Now that I thought about it. Uh, anything else you'd like to do, my dear? Uh, I guess I will go over and join the girls over there. Okay. We're a unit. Alright, you guys kind of, like, put this rock a bit between you guys, and you kind of, like, gang up on this one here. And, uh, yeah. So you guys have kind of shuffled together too in like a dis- defensive position as well. Um, it's Jazara's turn. Jazara, who's at her stuff in this moment, just grabs her quiver and her bow, and uh, she is going to fire. At- yeah. Okay. So she uh, hits with a fifteen. So I need. She does nineteen points of damage to that one. And so she takes an arrow out and she like knocks it and she hits this uh, guy like right in the chest and he staggers back. But the expression on his face is really strange. It's almost it's really vacant. It's almost like he doesn't even register the pain at this point. Um, it's the other guard's turn, and he kind of like steps out of this darkness, but he seems very like discombobulated by that concept of like the darkness. Uh, and he just kind of like lumbers forward for a while before he realizes you're not there and then he slowly starts to turn and like he turns very slowly and then he registers that he sees you and then he starts walking over towards you he doesn't quite get to you guys but he's very slow and it's very strange 
and uh, it's almost like he's not in control of what he's doing. Uh, now it's Myth's turn. Uh, Aaron, please roll me a d20 plus four for Myth. Nineteen. Nineteen. Uh, Myth kind of like scrunches himself up a little bit. He watches as the cage swings back and forth, and he holds just for that one second. He does that cat butt wiggle to get himself <laughs> just like the wiggle, 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 and he leaps out and he lands directly into the other cage right on top of uh, Orvo, and he just reaches down and just right on Orvo's ear just sinks all of his teeth into him. And Orvo just like, ah! <laughs> he wakes up and he's starting to swing it, like, at Myth. He's awake now. And uh, he kind of, like, bangs around and the two of them just flail in this cage. But uh, Orvo is conscious now, so. Uh, then we have the Frost Giant. And the Frost Giant is just kind of like, he's in this darkness. And I'm gonna roll an intelligence check to see if he realizes he has to walk out of it. Yeah, he gets a 15, so he realizes he yeah, has but... to walk out of it. Now, I'll let um, Ani go ahead and roll me a d4, and we'll see what direction he goes in. One is up, two is down, three is back the way he came, and four is forward. Three. Three? Uh, when he comes out of the darkness, however, he is kind of facing <laughs> the wrong direction, and he is, like, walking Perfect. back towards the wall. He's out of the darkness, but now there's darkness between him and all of you. <laughs> all righty. And so you are facing off with two dwarves. Orvo is in a cage. There's a gigantic, really creepy, gross meat wall around you. There is a uh, frost giant on the other side of darkness. There's some kind of weird goop that might be coalescing that you're not really sure about. Mm. Um, that you can't really see, but you do hear like a dripping sound. And a white dragon mask, very similar to the one you already have is pinned to the wall. And I do believe that is where we will end the session. Oh. All right. We will pick up with the rest of combat on our next time. Well, that is quite a place to leave it. Oh my goodness. Um, I figured it's getting late for everybody, so. Yeah. Um, okay. And I know you wanted to end by five, so I figured I'd give yeah. you a little more time than that, so. Gracias. Of course. Amor. Of course. Um, Oh, God. Well, how do you keep the dice straight with that you're using for um, Well, I, I roll all of my dice in the beginning, and the one that rolls best is the one I use for Jazara, which usually once I do that, it after that point, it no longer rolls well. Um, <laughs> and then, like, in as I'm setting up, I kind of, like, separate them all out by dice type and mm -hmm. uh, what I use them for. So, like, the ones I, did, I know I'm not going to use very often, um, I just leave in the bag, and then the other ones I just kind of set out. But I kind of, um, the ones that are rolling worse, I try to use for the bad guys. Yeah. And then it doesn't usually work anymore, so. But, <laughs> I uh, do the archaic thing and just pick. Yeah. I, I roll all my dice ahead of time to see how well they're doing. So, the ones there that are... There are too many. Yeah, so... I, well, I just a nice little check in with her dice and says, hi, everybody. How are we doing? And I just go, all right, let's go. And I only do that with the D20s. I don't do that with the other ones, but just the mm -hmm. D20s. So, because those ones are very important on whether or not they do well. So, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah. 
So any questions, ladies? Not, oh God, no. <laughs> no. Not today. No. I'll probably come to you with some more thoughts on feats and sure, yeah. stuff, but I don't have anything off the top of my head. I'll have to, I have to research them more. Okay. Like I sent, I sent Hayden the, the thing that says what I could multi-class into yeah. with no change and okay. But then also, but if you some really... things I'm only off, I'm only off like one. So if mm -hmm. I did the feet, I could actually do it. Yeah. And if you, we'll if see. you really find that you like, if you find that you really like like one particular class, just let me know and we can see about reworking some of your stats to see if we can get it so that it does work for you. Like if you find that you really, really enjoy Paladin, we can see if we can work on that. Um, but uh, yeah, just, just look through them and uh, look through the different subclasses and things like that. If you find yeah. you like like one class, but you don't find a really a good subclass that you like with it, we could talk about making you one. Because like I'm revamping all of Valkaria subclass. So if you want something too, like it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just, you know, take a look and just let me know uh, what you think. Because then based on what kind of class that you want to take, it might affect what feet you take as well. So yeah, I'm just going yeah. from there. So yeah, and uh, I'm more than happy to talk to you about it and we can always finagle. Sure. So that's the best yeah. part about D&D is like the finagling is easy. So <laughs> finagling. Finagle. So, but yeah, um, you guys just hit me up if you have any, any questions for it. I uh, hope you enjoyed the little bit of difference between the uh, having, you know, you guys step away from the table while the other one does something. I and, really enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, and if you want to know what happens, you'll just have to listen to the episode. So, <laughs> yep. so yeah. And because uh, I was thinking about how to do it and like what order to do it in. And uh, I know I wanted Sir Goosington to go before Valkar or before Jazara because like, Sir Goosington's was funny, and Jazara's wasn't nearly as funny. So, <laughs> and you have no idea yeah. what's happened to Sir Goosington, by the way. He is you. No. You do not see him. So, yeah. But right okay. now, we're just glad that he's not dealing with this because I'm sure a wolf would have eaten him by now. Probably. So yeah, he's uh, monoing monoing a dragon at the moment. So like that's not good. <laughs> that's not great. So, but uh, but yeah. So I hope it was a little different and uh, a little bit yeah. balancing the travel. So it's just not so endlessly boring. <laughs> so, yeah. So, cause travel is never entertaining if we're like playing D and D it's a real, and like, I didn't want you guys to just roll encounter after encounter after encounter. Yeah. So it's also like, like, I'm sure why the, uh, uh, in games, they adapted the fast travel. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's that's just like, true. boom, yeah. boom. It's just like there's a reason spells like teleport exist, so you guys can just teleport from one location to another after you've been there. Because so. someone, because somewhere along the fifty years of D and D, someone said nope. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's a couple of uh, modules that are really travel based. Like I think the Horde of the Dragon Queen is, uh, which I have from mm -hmm. Ani, is a lot of travel, like eighty percent travel. It's just like. Ugh. Yeah, it's just I like, wouldn't be able to keep up with what day we're on in travel. It's like, what yeah. day is it? Yeah. I know. It, by day four, I was like, because when she's like, it's the third day of it snowing. And I'm like, wait, I thought we were on day four. And then you said it was day four, but it was also like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, How it's, it's a huge pain to like keep track of the, the travel. So I have like notes here, like how long it takes to get from one place to the other. So uh, eventually, 
uh, Valkaria will be able to learn the teleport spell. You guys can teleport all over the place. So can but, she uh, take anybody with her, or is it yeah. a single? Okay. No, it's like a it's a group thing. I think it's up to eight people, nice. if I remember nice. correctly. So you could teleport up to eight people around. Um, I think we have a small exclusive group, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what people who have like larger parties do. So, but yeah, I believe it's. You get people. two people that can get that spell. Yeah, so you need two sorcerers in the group. So, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, you guys just hit me up if you have questions about the feats or the you know the multiclassing and stuff like that. The multiclassing is a little further off for Valkaria than yeah. it is for uh, Aaron. So, because uh, Val. If she wants her puppy, has to hang on until level six. So, because mm-hmm. you get yours at level six, so technically you can't. We want like her puppy. Yeah. You want her puppy. I want your puppy. Want the puppy. So, uh, we'll have to once you get closer <clears> to like <throat> the time of multitasking, uh, Ani, we'll have to go over the different things that you can get versus when you go to multi-class. So, mm-hmm. and whether or not that's something you still want to do, because I've I have revamped a lot of yours. I think I have okay. up to level ten planned out at this point so mm-hmm. uh well and not all of them are your shadow sorcerers some of the stuff you get is from your crystal so it's okay. not it's not super heavy that way if you do want to like multi-class you won't like you'll still have the opportunity to get a bunch of stuff so but uh okay. but yeah so we you guys are uh currently in a battle with a cult so yay in the tomb of the worm so, yeah. which is actually a place you guys had been told about uh, by the first mate on one of your yeah, first Yeah, I wrote that down. Yeah. I wrote down Now, is it Worm, W-O-R-M, or Worm, W-Y-R-M? I believe the book has it W-O-R-M. Mm. So, they were no. very disrespectful when they did it. But it is a frozen dragon. The dragon is frozen in the ice, so. Mm-hmm. And the- I can see the claws, that's why. I know, I know. I just see the two little fingers. Oh dear. Oh boy. She's yeah. quite large. <laughs> she is. She a big end, so or well he's a big end, but yeah. Uh. But uh but yeah. So uh you guys just let me know if you have any questions. Thank you all so so very much for joining me. I have a bunch of disclaimers I have to read. So um but yeah. A bunch of disclaimers. I, I literally have a page worth of disclaimers that I have to read for this. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, thank you guys. I, so I have questions about a video that you sent, but that's about it. Is it the chicken? The chicken? No, no, no. But I will get to that. Um, no, it's about what what I can do if you're a sorcerer. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. Well, we can uh, we can talk about that. So, uh, you guys want to end this here? Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Better get. Uh, thank uh, you. Yeah. Moving. Thank you also so much for joining us. I hope you guys enjoyed another trip uh, to Alexandria with us, and uh, we will see you all next time. Here's to being not unconscious. <laughs> not never a good thing in Alexandria. No. Or any really anywhere. Valid. Where it's not safe. Valid. <sighs> all right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Have a good night. Mwah. You too. Bye. All righty. Let's do some disclaimers. Woo! Um, all of the music from this episode can be found from either tabletopaudio.com or was made in-house by me and can be found on either a serendipitous setting on YouTube or on our website, uh, thesorrynotsorryge.wixite.com forward slash 
TSNSGP. You can also find the link to our website on our link tree on Instagram. All of our homebrew elements can be found on our website with the exception of our wild magic table, uh, which will be released a little later. So as to avoid, uh, you know, massive spoilers for my players. Um, some of the random D100 tables that you can hear the players roll through as they were like digging around for things uh, throughout the campaign come from dndspeak.com. The, sorry, not sorry, generation has no affiliation with the Wizards of the Coast or Critical Role. We are just using their mechanics and world like all D&D campaigns do to have fun. Uh, we have no affiliation with uh, tabletopaudio.com or D&D Speaks. We are just using some of their wonderful creations to make our campaign and our podcast a little more fun and a lot more chaotic. The Nameless City itself is a piece of homebrew from by the Sorry Not Sorry Generation. If you have any questions about our campaign or any of our homebrew elements, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, or through our website. Thanks, guys, and we will see you on our next adventure. Tune in next week for more fuckery because we have some serious questions and concerns.